Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, I guns, my life being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me, and you should know it. Hello and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 228. I am your host tonight, Mike, and tonight with me I have Josh. How are you doing tonight, Josh? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we also have Benny, who is in the middle of cooking what I'm sure is a fantastic dinner. So uh, he, uh, he'll he probably be silent for a lot of this, but uh, he is still here and he will uh, still grace us with what he did in guns this week. Um, I'm just going to go first because I have one word written down and it is nada. I have done nothing. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I did. I did. I did take time off and I didn't do any shooting. I don't think in the entire time off. So, yeah, I don't even know what I've been doing for the last two weeks. It's all just been a blur. <laughs> so, Josh, what Not have you tough. been up? What have you well, been up to? I, I uh, actually went to another Ragnarok action pistol shoot in Guelph. Uh, Amanda and I both went yesterday. Um, we took the early, early morning shoot, which isn't really that early, but it's, it's nine o'clock, but it takes us almost an hour and a half to get there. So we had to get up nice and early and go, and we made it just in time. I hit the porta potty before the round. So that was good. <laughs> always like to leave a, always like to leave a buffer, right? And those first in the first in the morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a pretty good turnout. There wound up being like uh, 62 shooters overall. Um, did a little bit better this time. I finished 47th place. <laughs> well, that's, that's not bad. You're, you're moving up, right? Down from the fifties into the, into the forties. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm be into the thirties. Who knows? Exactly. But, uh, and I think the, the stages were actually, uh, a little bit more challenging this time. Uh, but they were really enjoyable. Like there was five stages this time instead of four and, uh, a little bit more interesting with, uh, I don't know what you call it, if there's a name for it, but the first stage I shot, you were sitting at a table and you had to have your hands down on the table, kind of like you were driving. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if there's a name for that type of stage, but I've seen it done before. Um, and then you had to have your gun on the table. You could have the action open or closed and you had to have your magazine on the table, not in the gun. Hmm. So you had to, you had to load the magazine rack and shoot when it was your turn. And you had to engage the first three targets from seated and uh, then go do the rest of the targets. Uh, so that, that was kind of neat, very different. I had never done that before. And then yeah. there was another uh, El Presidente stage. And uh, there was another one where you had to get down and shoot prone. So that was kind of cool. Um, it was, it was kind of interesting watching the other guys uh, go through it first. Uh, most of them elected to actually go on their side. And I've never really, I've never really shot from my side before. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to go down right on my holster. Do I really want to do that? So that might be something I play with in the future because a lot of people did it, and it seemed like it was pretty quick for them. But yeah, I just much more comfortable going prone. So that's it, what I did. It's a very fast. You can get down really fast. Yeah. And yeah. if it was an actual IDPA match and there was a fault line, you pretty much have to lay that way so that you're like. Well, I guess this is actually the old set of rules. The old set of rules where it was 100% of your lower body and 50% of your upper body had to be behind cover. So okay. pretty much you had to go, roll that way. Because if you did what you did, go straight on, well, technically you're like your whole body's in the open, right? Right, right. So, so that's well, probably why a lot of guys do it. probably get used to doing it that way too. And I know one guy got dinged for having his foot outside of the sticks, like outside of the lines, like at the back. Yeah. But he was 
he was tall, right? And then I was all worried about it too because I I was tall. But I think because I I don't know if my feet didn't hit the ground. Like I don't think he dinged me on that one. But someone else definitely got got yeah. dinged for having foot go outside the line. And it's like, what are you gonna do, right? Like you didn't make this space big enough for me. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well. Yeah. In a lot of IDPA or something like that, you would just say, well, yeah, well, the scenario is that there's a wall there. It's just impractical for us to box you in. So for sure. Yeah. So exactly. that's why you can't put your foot out because otherwise you have an advantage because you're pretending like you're you're taking advantage of that wall not existing. That's right. That's right. Even even though how I completely understand it, it's a height thing, but yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, I, I uh the first stage I shot was actually my best one and that was the one with the seated position. I, I couldn't believe how well I did. I, I, I did, um, didn't have a single issue. I went through really quick. I was only down one point and then I was, I was feeling really confident after that one. And then the second stage, I was like, okay, I can, I can put the hammer down. I can go fast. I can do this. I got it. So I did. <laughs> and it just was awful. <laughs> so I, went, I got dead last on that stage. <laughs> now is that stage in the videos that you posted? Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah okay. Was, yeah. I can't remember. They didn't post in the proper order. Um, so I don't remember what order that one was in, but it was there and it was like super quick. It was great. It was like one of the quickest times, but it was horrid. <laughs> <for accuracy>. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm really curious because I remember watching the videos and I remember watching them and being like, man, like Josh is starting to move a little bit quicker. Like he's getting the idea, like he's getting comfortable. Now I'm wondering yeah. if that, the, if that the stage that you bombed. I can look really good on video now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't see the holes on, on, on video. So you have that's to assume right. they're all in the alpha, right? That's right. And yeah, yeah then that's, that's kind of like what you got to balance, right? It's like you can almost take a lot more time than I took because the, the, the penalties are just going to kill you, right? If you hit a no shoot, like it's five points every time and it just really, really gets you. And, and it would have been well worth it to take that little bit of more time. But I just had so much confidence coming off the last stage where I, where I went as fast as I could. And I thought, okay, I can, I can do it. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I can, I can channel my inner mic and I can do it, but no, <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> so I kind of slowed down on the other ones and just, I was kind of middle of the pack on the rest of them. And, and I just kind of put my, uh, put my ego in check and took my time a little more. So I have a question for you. Do okay. you think that after that, that, you know, when you swung for the fences, did uh-huh. you go even slower than you started? Because now you are worried that you're going to do that again. Yes. Yeah. I, do, I definitely think I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, 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 cause that I, can... didn't, I didn't even think about it with the first stage. I think that's why it went so well. Cause it, there wasn't a thought in my head about either of those things. I just, I just wound up just doing it fast and it felt good. And I yep. thought then I could do it, but. Then when I thought about it, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so. yep. The fastest way you'll shoot is subconsciously. Yeah. The more you, th- the more thought you put into it, the, the slower you're going to be. And also probably the worse you're going to be too, because you're going to mm-hmm. overthink about it now. And I, and I think it's, you know, I've, I've kind of crossed that, that little threshold of, I think the new shooter problem of where, when you draw your gun, you're just thinking about how am I holding it? Am I holding, is my grip okay? Am I, am I doing everything right? And not really thinking about the shooting so much. And this time I think I definitely thought more about the shooting, like drawing and firing and holding the gun just all felt supernatural to me this time. And I think that's good. So now I think I'm ready to start, you know, like you said, swinging for the fences a little bit more. I just got to practice a bit more. <laughs> yeah. You just got to, yeah, you have to figure out how hard to swing. That's, that's really right. the goal, right? It's how hard can you yeah. swing without blowing up? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, but 
Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say that's just something that you're you're always going to have to be working on, right? Because as you get better, you'll have to figure out that you can swing a little bit harder and harder. So yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and then the last stage that I shot, I kind of you know went for broke, just like I actually ran, <laughs> which I normally wouldn't do. But they, <laughs> I, I don't know if you watched it or not, but yeah, the, there's quite a long stretch between. Uh, the first string of targets and then you got to run all the way down the long skinny range and get the rest of them and uh so i actually ran as fast as i could and it felt like i was running really fast but then i watched the video and it really wasn't but for <laughs> me it was fast <laughs> but it, and, and that's the thing too like to calm down after running and then be accurate after you were running and like just yeah yeah the adrenaline going and you're tired and but oh yeah and uh, Benny was actually critiquing me on that one. He's he said, "Well, why didn't you just shoot those uh, first six targets point blank?" And I was like, "Well, no, nobody else was doing that, so I was just trying to do what everybody else was doing." Just, yeah. Most people picking a spot and finding the best spot to acquire as many targets as they could without moving, right? Instead of yeah. walking up to them all. Yeah. So, just I don't know. There, there was a lot more thought I think in this round than there was the last time. It yeah. was quite simple last time, even though I screwed up a lot last time. And didn't engage half the targets, but <laughs> I, I definitely think this one was more complicated than the last one as far as figuring it all out. Yeah. It was maybe, really good. Maybe that's what gave you something else to think about. Could be. Right? Because yeah. the more the more difficult you think a stage is, the more attention you're going to give and more preparation you'll give to it. But when that you think could... something's easy, you just, you're like, ah, whatever, I got this. And then the beat yeah, goes off and you're and like... Wait, yeah. were there six or eight targets? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so this time, uh, Amanda and I decided to to volunteer because we felt like they needed help. There's a lot of people, and there's way too many people shooting, but not as many people volunteering. So we thought we should try to do our part. We obviously didn't feel comfortable being an RO or a scorekeeper, so we thought, how can we help? We decided to be the grill masters. So uh, Amanda got to watch for a bit and video a few of my stages, and then uh, she had to go and get the barbecue started while I finished my shoot. And then I ran over and gave her a hand, and it went okay, but I don't know what we need to do. It was a bit of a cluster with the numbers because Andrew had so and so many people uh, said they wanted burgers and sausages and when they were going to eat as far as, you know, between the two shoots or after both shoots were done. Yeah. And we wanted having way more people eating between the two shoots and we didn't have enough ready because we were just trying to cook as much as we needed right yeah and turn some people away and then we wound up at the end just running out of food (laughs) so i don't know what people were doing yeah nobody was following the rules so did did people prepay for their food then no it was cash day of but they were supposed to register if they want what they wanted like on on practice score if you wanted lunch and then if you wanted a hamburger or, or a sausage Okay, so you still had to bring your five dollars for your hamburger, but you, you just had you tell pay, them yeah. when you want. Oh, oh okay. Probably yeah. people are showing up and asking for more, realizing they're hungry, or oh, I didn't see that. I'll just tell them when I get there. Right. Yeah. Right. So I know that. Really... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's one of those pain in the butt things. I feel like that's like a restaurant problem. You always need to have at least enough food for everybody, but not so much that it goes to waste. Right, and that's what he was worried. You don't want to buy like fifty more burgers than we needed, because then what? Right. Yeah. And if he's trying other... to make money. He just wanted to offer it, right? Yeah. The honestly, the easiest thing that I always would do, and this is what I'm pretty sure we always did, is there's just hamburgers. There's mm-hmm. no sausages. There's no nothing else. And you know what? If just say for whatever reason someone goes to the grocery store and there's a super sale and they buy ten thousand hamburgers and you serve fifty at your match, well, like who doesn't want a hamburger? You could you can take it home and eat it at the worst case scenario, right? At least then it's not yeah. going to waste. 
Well, Andrew was thinking like maybe next time just just increase the match fee just a little bit and not worry about registering and just have lots of food and you know yeah. just bring enough for everybody and see if they eat them right. So yeah, yeah, because yeah. want the money wound up being a little light too, and we wondered if we didn't collect money from everybody we should have or some people might might have thought that it was included because yeah. we're pretty going on the honor system because we we thought you know we can trust everybody here we're all like minded people we should be good people and. Some people were eating for free, but they were the volunteers. Yeah. So or maybe, the, yeah. you know, some people didn't see people exchanging money and thought it was just part of the fee, right? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And you know what? If if he just, if Andrew's <laughs> policy is like, yep, everyone gets one burger and it just rolls into their fee, that's fine. Then what, what I would think he should do is he should give out those little, like, those little ticket coupons. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And that yeah, way, like, funny. at registration, when you come and you register, like, when you, I'm sure Andrew has something where you have to come and tell him, hey, I'm Mike and yeah. I'm here to shoot. Well, at yeah, that time, and they could so hand. The iPad registers everybody and you could have yeah. a string of tickets. Yeah, here's your yeah. lunch ticket. Here's your lunch ticket, right? And then you're at the burger. He gives you the ticket. Bam. And that's that's as simple as it is. You get one burger. If you want more, then the guy can give you five bucks at the, at the, at the grill or something, right? Well, making it part of, like, whether it's part of the match fee or not, paying on practice score would be better too, because then nobody's handing handling money day of. You don't need to worry about a float. You don't need to worry about change. And oh yeah, that's true too. And did everybody pay? You know, there's mm-hmm. there's little things to think of that you don't really. You know, I'm just showing up to shoot, but no, someone had to think about all this stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <sighs> but uh, but yeah, that's that's our experience. I think uh, we had a really good time. It was kind of cold, <laughs> but it was nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is November, right? Yeah, and I think that's going to be the last the last shoot, um, unfortunately, because Andrew doesn't want to deal with uh, being a COVID Nazi on the indoor range. So I don't think he's going to do any this winter. I don't blame him one bit. Yeah, so it makes me kind of sad. Yeah, it, it's a sad, it's a, yeah, just a sad reality of what what's happened. So yeah, yeah. Oh well. Oh, well, well, it, so- it, it sounds like you had a great time. It sounds like you had. Man, I, I got to make it down there sometime for one of Andrew's matches. Yeah, that was that was a good one. It was a long day. They, they got kind of backed up for some reason, too. I don't know what the problems were, but I think uh, the second shoot, like the 11 o'clock, was like 45 two minutes to an hour later than it should have been. I don't know what the bottleneck was. I feel like I went through pretty quick. but Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Could just so yeah, it was a good time. It should, yeah. should definitely come down. And there's been, you know, some are better than others, but this one was really, was really good. So that's good. Yeah, I've always heard. Good Glad things. I got to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me rub some salt in your wounds, Benny. <laughs> yeah. So what? So since you didn't go to the match, what have you been up to lately, Benny? So that's the thing. Uh, so I um, I not so uh long, actually very long ago now. Um. I bought a 1911, a Turkish 1911, which I regretted uh, pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> is it a TSAS? Sorry? Is it a TSAS? T-I-A-S-A? I don't know how to spell no, it. No, it's a garrison. Pardon me? It's a, it's a garrison. Uh, uh, I think the G company. Okay. Uh, garrison. Um, it's a Garrison uh, 45. I thought it came with a red dot, but um, uh, a red with a red dot, red dot cut, but it didn't. Um, so that was one of the things I was upsetting about it. Um, the first time I took it out to the range, it, it ran okay. I just put uh, a mag or two through it, and then uh, recently I, I decided to put the rest of my box 
uh, of ammo through it, and I was getting a lot of hang-ups, so I have to find out what's going on with that. But since now I have a 45 gun, uh, I need to start reloading 45. So I install, um, I bought a tool head because Dylan parts finally came into the country, uh, and a powder measure, and now I need to set that up for 45, um, which is, sounds, it, it felt daunting, but honestly, it's, it's just a matter of looking it up on YouTube and it's pretty simple to figure out how to, how to set it up and, and deal with that. So I'm not too worried about that. Uh, on Friday, I drove out to Guelph to uh, help set up for the match and uh, hopefully shoot. And uh, just because uh, Sabbath comes in so early, I um, got in my car, put in my GPS to find out what time I, I'd have to leave the range to get back in time for the, you know, so my wife wasn't worried that I'd be stuck on the highway. And um, I realized I'd be leaving, uh, I'd be at the range for two hours. So I got to the range. I helped them clean out their sea can so they could organize a little better. And then when they were about to start setting up the match, the stages, I was like, yeah, cheers. I'm heading home. I have to leave in half an hour, so I'm not going to set up for half an hour and then go home. I'm just going to go home now. And so I didn't do any shooting. So, yeah. That's, that's, pretty, much what I've, that's pretty much what I've done in guns. <laughs> yeah. uh, I went to the range a couple of times. I... Um, updated the, the scope on my 08 and I still haven't zeroed that in for whatever reason it's just not zeroing properly but then I put uh, my ta um, Vortex Diamondback uh, tactical, not tactical, so the Vortex Diamondback the regular one, uh, on my uh, my Tavor and that's finally dialed in so and I, I did a, sorry I'm all over the place here I didn't actually write any show notes, sorry listeners um, and but I did do a couple of rifle uh, matches at Oxford where you just, you know, show up. It's, uh, I think five bucks a, a target. And, um, you just, uh, depending what, uh, division you're in, you shoot, uh, I believe it's, uh, it's 20 rounds, either 10 at, uh, 50 and 10 at a hundred or all 20 at a hundred, depending what, what, uh, what division you're in. Um, so that's how I know my 308s way out of black. Uh, well, I finally got my tour dialed in, so that's good. Uh, but other so, how do you? Uh, what's the what's the uh, purpose of the competition though? Like, are you shooting freehand or prone, or how are you? What's it's it's all bench right. shooting. Um, bench. If you're okay. shooting, um, if you're shooting, I think it's sporting division or precision. If you're a precision, then uh, you can use a bipod. Uh, but otherwise, it's uh, sling or freehand. Um, so you have, there's uh, military, uh, military optics, uh, sporter, and then I think rimfire or something else like that. So and you can do it with rimfire because I, I know you yeah. you had sent me something about it, and I think that's what you're talking about that link that you had sent me. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I was thinking, oh, I probably can't do this because I don't really have a a centerfire rifle to do something like that with. So you just bought a like they're 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 done for the season, unfortunately. But uh, oh. you just bought a a, a Mosin, right? Uh, I did, yeah. Fit right in there, um, yeah. Because <laughs> the gentleman in front of me was shooting three hundred three Lee Enfield. Uh, okay. Someone else was shooting I don't know some uh, trapdoor gun that you know was leaving a nice haze over the range. So. <laughs> Because yeah, my only tenor fires are the Mosin and my SKS. So yeah, no, you would have fit in. The SKS would have been fine. <laughs> okay, so when they start up again, maybe I'll head out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's lit. It's literally a great. Uh, it's very like zero com um, 
competitive nature. Uh, a lot of good ribbing going around, and it's it's a very low barrier to entry. Get in, you you know they're they're a good group of guys, and it's literally you just show up and you're having a a good time kind of thing. Hmm. So good to know. You should have yeah. bugged before to go. I I I know. I know. I'm sorry. All right. It's, I'll, y'all, I'll it's, all, your, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty much what I've done in gun. Um, I'm really excited about getting this 45 up. Uh, 45. 45. These guys up and running. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that in the end. Yeah, I, uh, I I bought everything to load 45 because I thought I might get into it because I got a 1911-45 and I just realized like, yeah, it just doesn't appeal to me. So I started actually selling off some of the bullets I had bought just for for the 45. So for me, it's it's uh, it's very much a price thing. Um, it's it's so fast now, or for me, it seems so fast now to just uh, you know. Like with the Dylan, just toss everything in and then pump it out, and you know you have a hundred bullets in twenty minutes. So yeah, it's not really a to- like it's not really a inconvenience. Yeah, I find. Um, but yeah, because buying buying a box of forty five must be atrocious right now. Uh I don't know if it's if you're really like like because components have also gone up. I don't think you're really saving more. You're just you're still saving the same amount. You're just yeah. Maybe everything went up at the same rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I've done in guns. That's good. So we'll move on to the main topic tonight, which is how to run a match. So uh, mm-hmm. most of my experience is from running IDPA and ICOR matches. I have also run two and three gun matches, and they're they're all mostly the same. Um, there is some obvious differences from pistol versus rifle and action shooting versus like bullseye. Um, I'll just be discussing what I have the most experience running, which is action shooting with a pistol on two bays with six stages. So not a major match, but a good size local level match. Uh, so the first thing you're going to need is a gun club. Uh, this might sound like an obvious one, but it's a pretty important <laughs> one. Um, cause not every gun club is set up to be able to handle, you know, an action shooting match. Um, so I, I would say if, if you're trying to run one, you would need at least one bay, but I would always suggest two if possible. Um, I'd say you need it to be at least 20 yards long. Uh, the longer, the better up to 50 yards and up to 50 yards. It doesn't make it any worse if it's longer. It just means that your competitors have to walk further to get, you know, to the targets or to the shooting line. Um, and well, the main... that's, that's maybe not maybe not a, an obvious question because I mean, if you're running a, a rifle match, you could potentially do that on your own property somewhere. So probably people have. To, have you ever been to one that's been on private property? I have never shot any like any sort of organized event on private property. No. Okay. Well, I guess, I guess the maple seed that I went to that was on a, an airstrip, so that wasn't actually a range. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know <laughs> that they they have them. Um, yeah. You don't I tend just wondered. to. I, yeah. I just wonder, like, like, in sh- like, how much liability does that open you up to, though? Right? Oh, I, I imagine <laughs> so much. Like, right? That's why probably yeah. most people don't do it. And realistically, if you were doing it in like someone in a farmer's field, I'll say, you know, I quote that, um, it's probably only you and like a couple of your buddies, right? At which point in time, you're not going through all this much effort, right? You're just a bunch, a couple of friends, almost like playing horse, but shooting. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so the bay that you are going to shoot on, 
it uh, needs to be approved for action shooting, which uh, your club will know whether it's rated for it or not. Which, speaking of which, you will need to get permission from your club to run your match. Um, arrange what bays, if there's multiple bays, like if they have multiple, and what your date and your times are. Um, and you want to do all that before you start advertising because, you know, no one likes to sign up for something and then find out just a week later when they're busy and have to cancel, right? So just uh, some basic stuff. I usually try and figure out when I want to run my matches at the beginning of the year, like in January or February, and I'll propose my date to the board then. <clears throat> that way I know at the beginning of the year, you know, where throughout the year are all my matches. And I can even tell people because I'm, I already have them booked with the board, so I know I'm good. Right. So how, how do you, uh, so say you set up a match at your range, how do you advertise that? Do you just advertise it within the club and rely on word of mouth or are they always on, are they on practice score and you just think, oh, people are going to see it on practice score or how do you, how do you go about it? I, I do not count on people finding it on practice score because, you know, it's not like Facebook. People aren't just sitting there for hours perusing it, seeing what's local. Right. Um, so I wouldn't count on that. Um, I mean, some people have, but usually when people find it, that's when it's like, oh, I have a month six, like, or a match six months from now. They might find that one because they're on there for something else. But I wouldn't post a match and expect that just it being on practice score will find, you know, 30 people in two weeks or anything like that. Right. Um, for actual advertisement, when I took over, um, the guy who was running it before gave me a list. And this was a list of all the people that had been, you know, checked. By, you know, in one way or another, they had already been checked that they, you know, that they're holster certified and they were all people who obviously wanted to be on this list of action shooters. So that's okay. how I started with that. Um, from there, I use Facebook. Uh, we have a club page that you can't, like, no one else can see. So that I can advertise on there. So that'll get me, you know, within the club. Um, there are a couple of other IDPA clubs around here that I'm friends with the, the guys who run those ones. Sometimes they'll advertise it there or even send out in their, if they have an email list, they'll send it out to their email list too. And That's that good. Way, yeah. Everyone in the area your knows. Own, your own little network of people. Yeah. Like if you, if like Benny, if like if, if I move to Alberta tomorrow and I want to find out where all the local IDPA matches are, I like, I would be lost there's not really necessarily a great way of doing that, right? You'd, you'd, you'd kind of have to go to your first club, talk around, hey, where does everyone shoot? You know, you look up all those clubs and, okay, I'm willing to drive this far for this one and whatever, and you kind of figure out your own network. But, yeah, there's really no way of doing it without kind of putting yourself out there. So, so does, does practice score cost money to put a match, like to, to have your match on there to organize your practice score? I'm going to say no but I am not 100% certain on that. I'd say 99% certain. And that's only because when I took over, the club had already made an account on practice score. Mm -hmm. But like the individual shooter account, like if you just want to go on there to sign up for a match, that account doesn't cost you anything. Right. But I don't think that it costs the club anything to maintain that practice score account on there. I think practice there score, any... I think practice score makes it all... Correct? Is there anything else like practice score that people aren't maybe aware of? Like, that's really the only thing that I know of. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I know there are some other ones, but, like, I've never really seen like, anyone. Doesn't, doesn't Ipsic have, like, its own? It, Ipsic has its own whole website and everything. Like, they don't do anything outside of, or at least Ipsic Ontario doesn't do anything outside of their own website. 
Mm-hmm. So like that's a different story because that's where you go to find out who's running matches when. Um, mm-hmm. I don't run F6, so that's not how we've done it. Um, there are other like sites that you that similar to Practice Score, but I've only ever seen them like actually in use for sign up and stuff are like major <clears throat> American matches. So that's right. uh, it's, like at least in Ontario, it seems like Practice Score is the only one here, which is fine by me. Yeah. Well, yeah, it keeps it consistent, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, so now you uh, you got your permission, you have your date. Um, so you'll also know what size space you have now, right? Because your club will tell you, hey, you have these bays or you have the one bay, whatever. Um, Does you, do you need anything special insurance-wise to host an event? Or is it just, you know, normal within your clubs? Like if your range is certified for IDPA, you want to run an IDPA event, do you need to let your insurance carrier know that you're having an event, a special event with, you know, primarily 75% guests? I am going to say no, because I've never done that. We okay. have like, so I know that like the club has insurance, the board has insurance and we have all that. And I believe that pretty much all those insurances cover like all activities on your, on your range. Right. And they know I, you're a gun range. So like, right. They know okay. what they're doing. Now, obviously I, if your range was not approved for action shooting and sure. you story. put a round yeah. into a house or something like that, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, I know when we had uh, Ragnarok come and do the the pistol operator course, we needed a copy of their insurance to provide um, our insurance company. But I think that's yeah. maybe teaching, that's, right? That's different because he's teaching. <clears throat> gotcha. Yeah. So that's something to remember too. If you host, if you host somebody who's instructing, you know, not necessarily a shooting event, but like an instructional event, that's maybe something to think about. Right? Yeah. Yep. So. Uh... So yeah, so once you know what ranges you have, um, you'll have to start designing stages. Um, how to design stages is like a topic in itself. Um, there's a lot of safety things to consider and how to make sure that the match is also fun. Um, if you're just starting this for your first time and you don't really know what you're doing, uh, a bunch of the different games out there, uh, like Ipsic and Icor, they have a ton of classifiers. In IDPA, there's like one classifier. Um, you could go on there and steal any <laughs> one of those and like just throw them into your match. They're, like, because if they're a classifier, then they're going to be they're going to be very safe at their classifiers. Um, you could also just go on so to is, YouTube. Is that whatever. like a is that like a PDF that you could download and it tells you like this many feet between targets? And oh yeah, where they, they should all go. Is that what? You, yeah, yeah. Be, because they're a classifier and they need to be like standardized across the world for like anyone who's shooting anywhere. They are very detailed yeah. in how to how how to set them up, how to run them and everything. Now, if you're not doing an official classifier, so if you decided that you don't want to do it the exact way that they, or like you don't want to actually get out the tape measure and okay, is this 20 feet or 21 feet? Like who cares? You know, this is just a fun match. Mm-hmm. Then, right, right. Yeah, you're not doing an official classifier, but it's a great place unless to go. It, unless it creates some angle that might be unsafe, right? Like that's that's what I'd worry about. It's like, you gotta you got to think about... You know, are they sticking oh. their gun through the port and they, could they potentially go past 180 or over the berm or who knows, right? Like, um, yeah, but with classifiers, they tell you how high to set your targets. Well, that, that's re- what I mean. And they don't, they don't use... You're run they, into those problems, right? Yeah, yeah well, I, I know uh, someone randomly told me recently, was it like 20 feet or something like that is the minimum height of the back berm for an action shooting range? So like, okay. if you set up the stages properly, as long as you don't, 
you know, butcher them really far off, they should all be pretty safe. You put them up against your back berm or a side berm. I guess, I guess that was maybe my point is, you know, if you say take the classifier and then tweak it to your own wants and needs, I mean, just well, be really careful. That, right? Well, it's more about like, does it need to be 21 feet? No, it can be 20 feet. Like you don't sure. need to get out so the tape measures. There's a, yeah, there's a tolerance. It. Yeah. Yeah, that's more of what I meant. Or if you see something you don't like, and here's the thing, classifiers are, they're made to be very safe because the last thing that any organization wants is for an accident to happen on one of the stages they tell you to run. So right. like the the only thing, like I'm just thinking right off the top of my head, if there if there is a classifier that says you start facing uprange and you say, you know what, I don't like the idea of people turning and drawing on my first match, that's fine. <laughs> Make them start the other way. That's also fine, right? Yeah. 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 But that, or you know, you go onto YouTube or Facebook. There's there are uh, stage building uh, groups, and people post random stuff. You know, if you see something over and over again, like an Elprez, if you don't know what that is, it's look it up it's very popular you know what i mean there's a lot of drills like that that are really simple um you might not necessarily run the most exciting match of your life but this is your first match you're not you know you're not gonna win an award on your first match and if you win an award i'm impressed because i've never heard of an award <laughs> one for best run match so yeah yeah so there let's burst that bubble yeah. too if that's a bubble you got <laughs> Is there any, uh, do you, so when you, when you go to say you're not doing like a classifier or something that you've downloaded, um, and you're just starting from scratch. Cause I mean, obviously you have a lot of experience with this and you could probably have some things in your mind that you want to produce. Do you, do you have any software that you use or you, do you just sketch it out on a piece of graph paper or is there like SketchUp or some kind of software that you like to use? So I personally use SketchUp, which is a three-dimensional design software, which I think works great. Um, I, <laughs> I there's a there's a YouTube video out there, and I can't. It's it's like six years old now, but the guy goes through like step by step how to set up SketchUp to like and to how to design stages with doing that. And you could probably I, say, you could probably save like your targets and reuse them again and again, like drop them in, right? Yeah. Like, th- that's the kind of stuff, right? And he goes through the basic stuff, how to how to rotate a target, you know, things like that. I like it. I think it's fantastic because you can kind of check your angles. It's not perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Is my wall at, you know, the guy who cut the, the wood that I made my wall out of, is it eight feet or is it actually seven feet and 11 inches? You know, sure. that kind of <laughs> thing, right? So yeah. outside of that, you can kind of get at least a ballpark idea of like, am I going to accidentally do something dangerous with that? Before I did that, when I very first started, someone else gave me, it was just a, a like a Word document, and all it was was pictures of stuff. And it was like okay. pictures of targets and pictures. And like I, it was literally like a two-dimensional drawing that you tried to like make three-dimensional, which sure. is very hard to do. And that's why stages didn't always turn out the way that people thought they would. So right. that's why I kind of moved away from that, but that was super basic. But really at that point, you're pretty much, you're at the same point of just doodling on a piece of paper. So I'm kind of disappointed though, Mike, because I thought your answer was going to be that you 3D print all of your walls and targets and you make like a little little diorama model. So You can buy kits like that. I know. Can you? Can you, can, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you can just buy it. Um, I actually have a friend who does that and he gave me his file so I could do it too. And I was literally all ready to go and print them off. And I kind of said, why the heck am I doing this? I'm literally <laughs> going to print these off, build a mini stage, 
and then yeah. take a picture of it, right? And that's, <laughs> yeah. Or I could just build it on this 3D software that I can do anywhere with my laptop, and yeah. I just do a screenshot. Yeah. Like, what's the difference between the two? Yeah. Right? Like, unless I was going to print out, like, enough 3D models to make, like, an entire match where I could, like, bring it up and be like, you know, here you go. Here's this whole stage or this bay or whatever and 3D model and walk away and have another one for the next bay. It right. just didn't seem practical to me. And I just eh, didn't bother. Eighth yeah. grade science fair all over again. Stealing all your kids Lego men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really it for class fires. Like first one, just keep it simple. Like I said, no one's going to be expecting you to do anything amazing, like out of this world crazy. If you see anything that you're not comfortable with, like people going prone, you know, starting up, facing up range or too, I'll say air quote, there's too much movement. If that's your opinion, too much movement, then, you know, just don't do those or shorten them up. You can make it easier on yourself. So the walls, the walls and the the walls that I usually see are just like, you know, two by fours and snow fence. Is that generally what you use? Yeah, that's what we use. And and the targets are always like uh, one by twos with the cardboard stapled to it. Yeah, it's not, uh, one by th- I think we use one by threes, but yeah, one by threes, sure. Yeah. So so where's the best place to go to get like? Does everybody sell like IDPA targets? Like just go to your local gun store, and, <laughs> or do you have like an online source where you can buy them in bulk? Like what do you normally do? Okay, so. Ipstick targets, I, uh, most major stores, you can buy a pack of 50 of them or something like that. Uh, if you go online, you can probably find out like who sells them in bundles of like thousands and stuff like that. Because if you're, if you're going to run lots of matches, then you buy lots of targets. Um, Ipstick's a lot easier to find. IDPA, they license their targets. And IDPA, in my opinion, a few years ago, gave the big finger to Canada and... So now I think we only have one place that will make official IDPA targets. And by official, I don't necessarily mean that there are knockoff IDPA targets you can get. They're really the only ones. Um, and I want to say he's out in BC. Um, they do offer good shipping, though, if you buy in bulk. So that's where I did. And what ended up happening is, like I said, I was friends with another club. So we both said, like, hey, at the end of the year, how many targets do you want for next year? Oh, you know, I could use another 400. No, I could use another 600. So we called them up and, hey, we're buying 10,000 targets. What deal can you give us? And, you know, we got a little bit off our price. So, yeah, it was good. Um, do, I, do I need to worry about buying a fancy shot timer or can I get by some other way? Uh, you kind of need a fancy shot timer. Okay. There's no real you, way around that because, like, do you, do, you recommend, do you have any recommendations? Honestly, they're all good. Um, I personally like the way mine is, and I have a, a competition electronics one. It's a big blue one. I personally like that one. I find it's easy to use, but I mean, I think the the little yellow "Are you ready?" I think is what they're called. I think those <laughs> ones are actually a lot cheaper, and that's why they're really popular um and then there's there's a couple other companies that make make them yeah all Josh, kind of varying been, in price we've been spoiled <laughs> sorry betty mute yourself <laughs> oh no i was saying josh we, we've sort of been we've been spoiled with oh. uh, andrew because he has the he, he has his i believe are pretty expensive where they actually bluetooth sync to the uh the tablets yeah oh are they really holy cow Yep. They, yeah. There's yeah. a couple out there that make that. And uh, even the competition electronics, the one that I have, they've just released a Bluetooth, uh, a Bluetooth compatible one as well. Huh. 
But yeah, because our, our club bought one. We have one in our in our closet that we almost never use. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure what kind it is, but it is blue. So yeah. maybe it's the, I don't know. You know what? Like it doesn't need to be super fancy. Um, you only need one per like shooting squad at a time, right? It's not like you need a ton of them. They aren't they mm-hmm. aren't cheap. They're they're going to be over a hundred bucks. Um, yeah, I think we but, paid like 250 bucks yeah. or something for ours. Yeah, I, I don't even think you can get one for a hundred dollars anymore. But I mean, if you if you're if you're gung ho on this and you're trying to run this match, you, I'm assuming you have some sort of network. You probably are already a competitive shooter in some way. Like you have a network of other people that you shoot with. You could probably figure out which one of your buddies have already bought shot timers and would be willing to let you borrow it for the match. Sure, right. sure. Like technically, the shot timer yeah. that I use when I run all my matches is my personal one because that's the one that I like. The club bought the Are You Ready ones, and I don't like them, so I use mine. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I guess that brings up a point too, is know how to use them as well, because we had a lot of newer volunteers at this last shoot and they didn't know how to use the timers. And I'm not sure what this means, but the par timer kept going off every two minutes and screwing up when people were supposed to start. Yep. What, oh, is, yeah. the par, what is the par timer that goes off every two minutes? Explain that to me, because I wasn't sure okay. what that was. So that's a, so a par time is essentially means you have so long to finish something. So okay. we don't really use it in action shooting. Uh, we use it use it in bull, like bullseye style shooting. It's essentially when they say you have two minutes to complete this task. You have two minutes to take 10 shots and you know get the best 10 bullseyes you can. And they hit mm-hmm. start, beep, you get the first beep, and then two minutes later you'll get another beep to tell you you're done. Okay. Or if you're dry okay. firing and you're like, hey, I want to get my draw down to under a second. Well, you set the par time to one second. And you press the uh, button, and it beep beep, you know, and you get a second beep to yeah. tell you when you're done. Yeah, because obviously these guys didn't know how to use it because it was just beeping randomly, and people were like not ready, and they're like, oh, just ignore it, just ignore it. And I was like, yeah. well, that's a safety issue, right? Like this isn't good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, and one guy, one guy had to reshoot because the timer, like, he didn't clear the time off the first guy, off off the last guy, so yeah. it added his time to the last guy, so yeah. he had to reshoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. he did amazing on his first shoot and then yep. he had like a jam on his second shoot and he yep. totally like got screwed <laughs> oh yeah yeah that that that's that's an infuriating day right there oh, and that's that why was so, I, I was just pay, it was so painful to watch i was like oh he did so well on his first shoot and that didn't count <laughs> yeah oh i know I, that was I, totally the ro's fault right I, it, you don't want to be that guy it is the arrow's fault, right? And that's why, yeah. like, and stuff like that happens, right? Sometimes, you know, after you're done shooting, the guy accidentally bumps the uh, the button that the the start button again, which essentially resets the time. Well, now we have to go over it again, or the yeah. batteries die. Like I've had batteries <laughs> die. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's yeah. yeah. Don't be that guy. <laughs> yeah, it sucks, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. So as we're talking about that kind of stuff, you also have to keep in mind what props your club has. So like how many, uh, you know, how many target stands do you have? How many walls? How big are they? You know, do you need a port? Are you shooting steel? You need shrouds, things like that. Because obviously you can pick out the best, you know, six stages of your life. But if you don't have the props to build them, then they're kind of useless. So um, what is what is safe to use as a prop? Because I know like like our club doesn't really have anything yet but i see that uh when we go to guelph they usually use barrels plastic barrels is that typically what people will use plastic barrels and anything pretty much made out of wood so yeah so what what does your uh, what does your club usually use barrels as well like is that pretty standard Uh, no we use a lot of walls we don't have a lot of barrels i wish we had a lot of barrels the other club that i shoot one of the other clubs i shoot at they have like a ton of barrels and i love it because it's so nice (laughs) the barrel like and you know what though like it's 
but it's also bad at the same time, right? Because if with a barrel, you can't make a sharp edge because it's rounded, right? right? So like in that yep. sense, it's worse. They're better, I think, because they're actually, you can't see through them, which makes it a more realistic challenge when you can't just like look through the wall and be like, oh yeah, they're the target I haven't shot yet. Like, right. Um, and they make a super cool sound too. Oh, you're shooting next to them. <laughs> it can be annoying. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I mean, like, they can blow over, but, like, our walls will blow over way easier than their barrels will. Um, but also yeah. walls, like, for them to build an eight-foot wall, they need to bring out, you know, whatever, four barrels too high. So eight, they have to drag eight barrels out. I can carry a one, you know, one wall in one hand and carry, like, the platform to put it on on the other hand. Like, I can mm -hmm. in one shot do it. So there are pluses and minuses to both, right? Um, yeah. I would say just kind of, like, look around, see what you like. Um, like I really wish we did, we, uh, we had like non-see-through walls, but right. the problem with non-see-through wall means that it's essentially a giant sail that's going to catch the wind. <laughs> True. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. And the trouble with barrels, and we've actually had a few places be like, oh, we have like 30 barrels you can have for free plastic barrels. But the problem is how do you get them? Because they're so, sure. they're so big. They take up so much space. You need like a flat yeah, like you, bed. Even my truck, even my truck would probably only hold like four to six, maybe. Uh, I I would bet you <laughs> could be close, eight. I would bet you closer to four, three or four. Yeah, yeah. Right, like it's it's not, they're not easy to get around. <laughs> so that is a, a downside to them. Mike, but speak it, to me after the show. Uh, I might be able to hook you up. Okay. Yeah, but uh, we also. What, what about me? What about Milverton? Come on, you got to get us some barrels. We can hook Milverton up too. Just my 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 barrel guy just moved to Ottawa. So. <laughs> oh, your barrel, barrel guy. guy. He's a barrel guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and the other nice thing with barrels, like you need a makeshift table. Bam, you got a table, right? The SOs just need somewhere yeah. to put their water down while they're shooting. Bam, table. You know, you want to move it downrange with them, so like, and you're not worried about someone accidentally putting a round into it, like a like an actual table. You know, they're great for stuff like that. So, well, yeah, there was there was one stage there on uh, yesterday that didn't have it only had a safe table and no ammunition was allowed. So everybody was using the barrel with yeah. their ammunition. Oh, yeah. Yep. So like that, that's what I mean. Barrels are very uh, versatile. You can do a lot with them. So, yep. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, make the moral story is make sure your club actually has, because if I try to run some matches, like copy some stages, I've tried and I can't because I don't have enough barrels. Mm -hmm. um because barrels are also nice you can make makeshift little windows you know leave two barrels a little bit further apart bam you have a window yeah for sure yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot you can really do with them um but yeah so yeah we were just talking about the barrels i would also say make sure that you have tables or picnic tables or something like that to accommodate the number of shooters you have at once right everyone usually wants you know a few square feet of table space <laughs> to put their bag down, their water, have somewhere to load their mags or whatever, right? Just need some yeah. space to put their stuff. Well, that's um, a good point too, because like uh, know the know the rules of the range that you're going to, right? Because you don't want people putting their gun on in the parking lot and then if they're not supposed to, right? Yeah. So have, have adequate space for them well, to get, well, get ready. Yeah, to get ready. And you have a safe table too, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Like I've never been to a match that didn't have a safe table. Right, I believe it's actually written into pretty much all the rule books that I shoot that there there's mandated that there must be at least one safe table per like bay or something like that. Yeah, because yeah, it's just it's yeah you you need a safe table, right? I don't 
I don't really care how your club is. That just do a it, table. That, that's just a table where you can't have ammunition. Pretty much, yeah. It's the table that you can't have ammunition. So it's meant to be that you go there with your gun in case, take your gun out of the case, put it into your holster, and then walk away. Mm-hmm. That's that's the idea. It is the only place that you're allowed to actually handle your firearm when you're not actively shooting under an SO. Right. Yeah. So that's why they're important. That's why you need them. <laughs> if your club doesn't have them, they really should. So top to it. So, I mean, if you if you wanted to make up, like, our club has one safe table. But if I'm having a match with, like, 20, 30, 40 people, like, maybe I want to, can you have, like, a folding table that you designate? Or yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. You can do something like that. Just take a piece of cardboard, write safe table on it. Bam. You got yourself a makeshift safe table. Um, yeah. You can also just say, like, because we're going to get to this to the safety briefing when people are actually getting ready. People are usually good, right? If the safe table is only good for one or two people at a time, most people will go take their gun out, put it in their holster, walk away, right? If you want to stand there and dry fire all day long, then usually, like, <laughs> unless you're a jerk, you'll at least yeah. wait until there's like a lull in the action of people taking their guns out, right? Right, right. So, and if, you, if, you, if you're the person who wants to do that so desperately that wants to get half an hour of dry fire in, well, then you should have showed up an hour earlier. True. So, yeah. Oh, okay, so where are we? We are down here. So, um, after this, you need to start finding your volunteers now. Uh, so you don't want to put on a match and find out on match day that you don't have any safety officers, um, which, sorry, for future, I'm probably going to call them, I'll go back and forth between calling them safety officers and SOs. It, it's the same thing. Uh, okay. the, the two main groups of volunteers you'll need are just general volunteers and safety officers. Uh, so general volunteers don't need any training or qualification. I often have volunteers that do not participate in action shooting. Uh, I even have some that don't even shoot handguns. Um, these are people that just help with setup, tear down, patching if you don't make your competitors do it. Uh, they can score keep as well. They're just kind of general kind of workers, right? Amanda. Amanda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, your, video, your videographer. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, if you, yeah, your hot, do- your your hamburger person, your grill master, like all those people, right? <laughs> they're just your, gen- your, they're your general volunteers. They don't need special qualification. Because every once in a while, I get an email and says, hey, you know, I'd like to volunteer at your match, but I've never, you know, whatever, I've never shot a handgun or I've never shot a match. Like, it's like you don't need, you don't need some special skill to come help out. Like we, we got this. Um. And then your SOs. Uh, they in fact, just... that's a perfect way to get into shooting, right? I think into it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great way to see it. It's a great way to talk to the competitors, see what people have. So, you know, buy once, cry once kind of thing. Um, you know, you'll find out, you know, where you can get training, who has the best prices for stuff. And you might even make some friends that you can go shooting with. So, yeah, just get comfortable with everything, right? Because yeah. I think that that's helping Amanda. Like, I think she really wants to do it now because she... You know, she watched me once, and that was good. She watched me twice, and now she's hung out with everybody, and she's yeah. getting more comfortable. So I think she's going to be ready to do it soon. That's good. Yep. Yeah, and Josh, that's how I got invited to the uh, to that rifle match. Was you know, I, I shot with Andrew and the Ragnarok mm-hmm. guys, yeah. and some of the guys who who go to their matches were the ones putting on the match, and they're like, "Hey, are you want to?" you know, come out to this match. And when I showed up, they're like, "Oh, hey, Benny, nice, nice of you to show up." Kind of thing. Yeah, so, perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then your SOs, uh, they should have qualifications recognized from a game like IDPA or Ripstick. Um, 
you really want to make sure that they have like an action shooting qualification. I know that some guys come and they say they have like military range experience, like running a range, or they might be even police officers, but like what they do versus what you're doing in competitive shooting is, can be very different and you need a very different, like differently run and managed range. So that's where so I say, like, if you're running, like you're running your, like Josh, if you decide we're running a, you know, a pistol match, a generic one, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter whether the guy's IPSC or IDPA, I would just suggest you get at least some sort of certification like that. Right. So, so I have like, I'm a, I'm a safety officer through the CSSA. Yeah. But like, we didn't do any like action yep. shooting. Like it was just stand at a line, call the line. Yeah. So I mean, I would feel, that's why I was saying like, I wouldn't feel comfortable volunteering for that position, nor would I be qualified. Yeah. I wouldn't think, right? Yeah. So yeah, I would say that you're not qualified, right? I've, so how, I would how not, would you, I, how, sorry. How would you get, how would you get to be ID EPA certified range officer? Like what, what would you have to do to attain that? Um, uh, off the top of my head, you have to be a member of IDPA in good standing. Um, you have to like what you actually have to do now, here's the thing. I would never say, well, you're started shooting, so you're into it already. Um, you have to join IDPA, contact the, your IDPA rep, and there's an IDPA rep, and I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head here. Um, and he would direct you to wherever your nearest safety off, IDPA safety officer or instructor is. And he would mm -hmm. he would be the one who would teach you how to be a safety officer. And I, it's a weekend course. I, I think it's a two-day course, I think. Okay. Yeah. And they will, and it's a practical and a, like a, what's the other word? Not practical. Like you have to do a written test. You have to mm -hmm. do a written test. And you have to do a, yeah. And you have to do a, and you have to do a practical, practical thing. Yeah. yeah. Where like, and I remember we, I did it with a friend. And so like, I remember one of the things was you had a blue gun and what the guy would do is he would tell one of the other, you know, students be like, okay, you're going to sweep yourself at some point. And he set up this little mock stage and he ran through it and he would just like secretly swept himself. And I had to try and catch him doing it, that kind of thing. Okay. So yeah, you just, yeah. you learn stuff like that stuff that you're like how to run and manage range. Right. Right. Um, right. But yeah, it is different from like your CSSA, your CSSA, uh, range officer. Range officer. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, I would suggest when you're looking for people, get at least two per range, uh, or per squad, sorry, however you want, however you're running your match. I like my, my number is four. I like to have at least four and that's so that they can trade it <laughs> off back and forth. So it's not one person constantly calling out all day long, range it high, eyes in here, low to make it. You know what I mean? So, well, cause your if, volunteers will probably want to shoot too, right? So you want to swap them out so they can shoot. Well, that, that's, that's how you can do that. Yeah. I run yeah. my matches so that the, so my SOs all shoot on a different day. So do you need a, do you need a range master as well? Not for like local level stuff. Okay. It's nice to have, you are the range master if you're the one putting it on. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm hosting it, say I want to host one at Milverton, I would be the range master. Now I wouldn't yeah. need any sort of certification for that. As long as I had qualified RSOs. I would say yes, but like, I don't, I don't know that a hundred percent. I would say having your safety officer instructor thing would help you so that you would understand how to run and run a safe match to begin with. Sure. 
Yeah, because like, I because I really want to try this at at Milverton, and and I was yeah. talking to Gavin like after the shoot, and he said he'd be willing to come and help me. Yeah. So I mean, and that, he, he said because we, we only have one bay, and he's like, well, yeah, we can make that work. We can, you know, do a stage and then break it down and put up another one, and you know, whatever we can make it work. And he, if I had him as a as a I don't know guide, yeah. <laughs> or the or yeah. the certified person, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't you can run a match like that because then you'll have him, he'll kind of help guide you through the whole process. Right. Yeah. And it all depends on how much work you want to take on versus how much work you want to delegate. Right. Because if you want to run these matches, but you have no experience then just delegate everyone, everything to everyone else. <laughs> I'm good at that. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like uh, that sounds like a, you know, the jerk thing to do. Hey, I have a great oh. idea of what you guys should do. Like, yeah. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. got, to be the ringleader, right? Yeah. <laughs> Mike, what do you think this whole topic's about? It's me getting Josh to put on a match for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yes, and I have Benny. This as whole as episode was one on big handoff. As long as I don't do it on a Saturday, I have Benny as my RSO or range master or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you don't really have to worry about titles like that, uh, range master, quartermaster. Like, those are all <laughs> things that they really only come in when you start talking about bigger level matches and stuff like that. And really all it yeah. is, it's just a division of what the responsibilities. Well, and that's, and that's why I asked though, right? Because I always think, think about it as a, as a liability situation too. Like you've got to have someone in charge and someone taking responsibility and liability. So I didn't yeah. know if you had to, to name yeah. somebody in succession, you know what I mean? Like I did, yeah. just want to make sure that no, if you're hosting all these people and doing this thing that you're doing everything properly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like for IDPA, I would already arrange officer before I took over it ticket took it over at the club so like mm-hmm. i already had experience and i already did the course and everything um yeah i can understand from like a liability thing but i i mean you'd almost pretty much have to say to gavin hey gavin i can be your man on the floor like man here i can tell you what we got i can tell you what we like the space i'll get out the tape measure and do all that stuff but yeah i would say gavin would pretty much have to take the reins on it um yeah and i do know that like it, and this is just there are you can get like a title of match director and things like that but i think usually mm-hmm. if you're getting official titles like that you're hosting like major level matches you're sure, not just hosting sure. okay. your local offshoot you know <clears throat> game yeah yeah i just always think about covering my butt right i'd rather benny he got in trouble than me so exactly <laughs> <laughs> sign everything with his name yep i'm All only right. uh a CSSA range safety officer uh, range safety officer so Okay. Sorry, no, no official, no official titles in here. No. Okay, but you can score keep for me. Oh, anyone, yeah. can, anyone can score keep. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I get volunteers do it. I get volunteers who like show up and they're like, I don't even know what game we're playing today. How am I supposed to score keep? And I'm like, I will teach you in like five minutes and like five minute instruction and like five minutes of live stuff and they're all over it and they're doing it better well, than anyone else. Like it's I really easy next, to pick I up. think that's the next thing that I want to volunteer for is scorekeeping, right? Because that's the next level of getting yeah. into volunteering and really seeing how it all goes. But I was a little bit nervous about that too, right? Yeah. So do you use uh, a specific program for that or is it on practice score or how is the scorekeeping it, done during the match? It, I, uh, we do it on practice score on tablets. I would say don't do it any other way. I okay. mean, unless you're local, whatever. I don't know why you find out that. I think there's another one called Target Scores, I want to say. Um, unless you find out that you want to use a different one, essentially use a tablet on the software. And that's going to come in before and after when it comes to like signing people up and stuff like that. 
Um, right. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what we use at the at the Ragnarok uh, okay. matches. Yeah. It's yeah, you just pick up a couple when they're on sale, which happens every so often. Yep. A couple Amazon Fire tablets. Yep. And that's, you're golden. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, like I just saw one on sale, like Black Friday sale for like sixty bucks, right? So yeah. that that's what our club did a few years ago. We just waited till whatever Amazon days, and someone with an account bought like four of them or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll go back a little bit. So now you need people to actually sign up for your match. Um, as we keep saying, practice score is the way to go. So go to practice score, make your account, make your club account. Uh, you can go on there and figure it out. Just keep clicking next. Um, so the beautiful thing about this is that you set up your match and then you send out a link and it's just like a website link, right? You send it to your buddy and he can click on that link and it will take him right to the sign up page. That sign up page will ask for like their name. Um, you get any information, all the information you want, right? Their name, what division they're shooting, uh, what squad they want to be in. You can, they can even pay on there, like everything on there. So that's, in my opinion, the best way to go. Um, it also gives you a chance to see like you as the match director or whatever, see who signed up. Um, this is, you know, it's nice to know so that you can breathe. If you run a few, you'll keep seeing the same names over and over again, but all of right. a sudden a, a new name pops up. Then it's like, Oh, I have no idea who this person is. I'm going to take a minute and check their qualifications to make sure that this isn't some, I don't know, random person who doesn't understand that they need a holster certification to shoot a handgun. So you know what, what I mean? do you, what, what do you look for? For that certification like what do you what do you want to see if you're hosting a match what do you want them to present to you as certification well, they don't they don't physically present anything to me um usually it's just an email saying like hey i usually just ask the open-ended question hey where do you have holster qualifications right and yeah. they might say club level they usually people will list off everything they can because they see it as a great opportunity to brag about all the training they've done and even if it's only one so core, I, and even if all they've ever done is one holster core, they will be so excited to tell you that they did a holster core, they will tell you. So usually people list funny. off stuff. I'm so usually you, you looking... accept you, you accept club level? Like that's good enough for you? Club level is good enough? Uh no, not normally. Not like no. We will yeah. accept club level from our own club members because we know how okay. they've been trained. Right. I mean, I'll put an asterisk on that. We probably would accept some club level members from another club if we like know know the club and we can ask them about them. Right. So, so this is all up to your own. This is all your own discretion. Whatever is, you're comfortable with. Yeah. I well, I would say that I would say that once again for covering your own butt, make sure that they're qualified, like that they've taken some sort of actual holster certification. Um, yeah. In order to play IDPA, <clears throat> uh, IDPA is funny. But uh, at least here in Ottawa, you have to you have to do a holster course. Um, and there's a club out here that runs it. Um, Ipsic, they have their own black badge course. Really, those are the two things that I'm looking for because those are the two most popular. Um, what you know, about so, uh, what about PP PPC? Because that's what I that's all I have. I have PPC and I have the Ragnarok uh, pistol operator course. And that's I, I have been told only. that the PPC holster course is satisfa satisfactory to shoot a yeah, holster at that... our club. Because to me, that's like the easiest thing to do. Like yeah. at least where I am, like with yeah. the clubs around here, like <laughs> we and can send somebody to a local club. They can get the training done for like 80 bucks and like a hundred yeah. rounds. <laughs> Everything's yeah. good, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
but that's the easiest that's obviously an easy way to do it obviously if the more you build up and you'll attract more people who want to get into more official stuff like idpa and EPSEC, they will take the yeah. proper courses and then that will obviously supersede any like ppc stuff um like mm -hmm. if i see someone that says ppc i know it's accepted at our club but i'm going to watch you when you're shooting because if the <laughs> only thing you've ever shot in your life is ppc and you come out to an idpa match it if you're not ready for it it could be a shock to your system and what you're about to do right like running right. Oh, running it. around moving <laughs> shooting like all this other stuff so i'm yep. going to be keeping an eye on you <laughs> um but yeah so it's a good way to check qualification stuff like that you'll figure out who who has what qualification and you're going to get a whole pile of people who are going to apply and they're or like uh, sign up and you're going to have no idea who they are but like ask Andrew or Gavin, whoever runs their sign up over there, they're going to have a list of all the guys that they have approved too. Right. So mm -hmm. there are, like I said, what will happen sometimes someone will sign up and I have no idea who it is. Honestly, the first thing I do is I text my buddy and say, Hey, do you know who, you know, Bob Doyle is? And he'll send a text back being like, yeah, he's one of our guys. And it's like, okay, yeah. if he says he's yeah. good, then I trust him. Right. So, sure. sure. Yeah. So you'll you'll build your own little network like that too, right? So and like yeah. I said, you're gonna see a lot of the same people over and over again. So after like your first three matches, you're gonna be like, all right, so ninety eight percent of them I don't even have to look at because you know I recognize their name now, and mm -hmm. it's the only other random other person that maybe you spend thirty seconds looking it up to see like, oh, do they have a IDP an IPSC number or something like that? Right. Um. Yeah. So yeah. So do it all on practice score. Um, you can see all that stuff. Um, also using Prascore, you know, using your tablets while you're actually shooting the match. And it also goes for, uh, sending out the scores in the end as well. So when, uh, let's back up a little bit, I guess, like before you shoot, do you, do you do like a kit check, like an inspection of all the shooters and their holsters and make sure, you know, they've got the right holster for the gun and everything's in the right spot. And do you, do you go through individually with everybody? Not formally, no. Um, you don't normally see that until you get to like larger level matches. Um, a lot of the small matches, uh, now I'm talking outside of IPSC cause IPSC is a little bit more picky about this, but for like IDPA, <laughs> um, usually if you showed up and you had like your IPSC race holster or something like that, we would be like, Hey man, just so you know, that's not legal, you know, <laughs> try and get a legal one, you know? Yeah. You know, get it by the end of the year, you know, like we're not rushing you on this, but you know, try and, you know, don't, don't be a jerk. Um, you know what I mean? And most people are good with that, right? As long as it's a safe holster, I don't like, we don't care a whole heck of a lot. Um, uh, when you start getting to higher up, people care a lot more. Um, people who actually care about the game, like who actually are there to compete and like win, they are going to use the correct equipment because they want to win they want to win fairly, right? Well, I guess that's what I was getting at, though, is more just like a safety thing. Like, I know, you know, we after the after the shoot, we all got together and we're, we're having a drink and we're talking and we're like, well, what did everybody notice? And they're like, well, this one guy, his holster was like more towards his middle instead of by his side, right? Like, just yeah. a little stuff like that for safety, not necessarily like, you know, is anybody trying to game this? But yeah. is everybody being like did they did they show up with uh the proper retention and all that kind yeah. of stuff yeah most people are going to show up to an idpa match with the correct holster because idpa's holster is like the cheapest one out there just a plain blade tech is perfect right yeah it's like the cheapest holster it's the one that you get for free with the gun it works great right it's not the 300 dollars <laughs> race holster so you know that's sure. not normally a um so usually that's not a problem and if we see someone who's like holster too far forward we might just be like hey man just just move that back 
and it's fine, right? Yeah. Like I'm not going to yeah. so think kinda about do that on, You kind of do that on the fly when you're shooting. Like you rely on your range officers to be looking for that stuff. Yeah, and, and like I said, it's, you're not being super picky about this. And like you're going to notice where the holster position is and the holster because you're staring at their <laughs> gun when they're like about to draw their gun, right? So you're going to notice right. that stuff. Um, you know, they might have a small piece of gear that's illegal and it's like I'm not here to, you know crack down on everyone right we're here for a good time and as long as it's not like some insane advantage it's not like oh that guy's using a rifle and he said he's shooting a pistol today you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but but yeah we don't do anything formal you don't usually see that until you hey, get Mike, to don't give away my, my cheats what you to <laughs> rifle in a pistol match i i would i i'm not gonna lie that was my plan on friday yeah well that's what that's what a lot of people are doing though like there is a, a a good handful of PCCs, and that's cheating, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh I, yeah, no, I was literally, I was literally gonna run it to Vor in two, two, three. Oh. <laughs> no. No, but like, yeah, you, we're not too picky about it because most people are there just for fun, right? And I mean, if you get someone in, like, maybe they declared the wrong division, like, right. no one's really gonna be that upset about. Because let's be real, we're talking about matches that are, you know, between 40 to 60 people. There's usually not a sufficient pool of, you know, stock, enhanced, CDP, uh, revolvers. Like, you're not going to get a sufficient pool for, like, everyone to be like, oh, I'm going to look at just the production shooters in this match. You know what I right, mean? You can right. do that when you go to major matches where there's, like, 100 or more competitors. But at, like, a local level match, you're not doing that. You're looking at everyone together. Right. So you don't really care whether you know bob is registered at open or classic because to you he still beat you like so what what classes would you typically have in your in a sheet well that's 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 up to the that's up to the game yeah right the game the game will have so would, you, would, you, will would you set that out you know say say that i'm hosting a match at my club but i say okay this is open to stock service pistol and open and uh carry carry optics yeah like what i would I specify that or would I just see who shows up and then? Um, so in IDPA, there are, I'm going to off the top of my head about like six, six, six divisions. And you just oh. put them all, and you just put them all on there. Right. And okay. you let people sign up in whatever one they want. So yeah. So Josh, in, in practice score, you're going to set what kind of game you're, you're running. Right. And what kind yeah, of rule set you're using. And so it's going to offer right. you different divisions. Yeah. Right. Um, like I'm stock and, service because that's all I have. <laughs> yeah. And you can put and you can put it in. There's a there's a spot where you like write a description about like the match that you're running, right? So that people understand like this is an IDPA match. It's going to be six stages. We're expecting 120 rounds. You know what I mean? Like this is the start time. Be here by then. You know stuff like that. Um. So you know, okay. so like that. That's where you would cover like anything small that you want to deviate. But I would just open it up to everyone and just let people sign up yeah. whatever they want. It doesn't matter if there's only one person shooting revolver; they're still signed up for revolver. So, so I know like with these Ragnarok shoots, they're just kind of like they're really kind of a fun shoot, right? Like they're not official in any way. Yeah. But say I wanted to run an official IDPA match, what do I have to do to run an official match? Like what makes it official? Uh, you'd have to be a, an, an IDPA affiliated club. Okay. And don't ask me how to become one because the previous guy did it. I assume you just go on to the IDPA website and like say, hey, our club wants to be IDPA affiliate. And they'll say, all right, give us money. And that's pretty much it, I think. Okay. I, all right. Mike, but I, do you I don't, not have to submit your, your stages to IDPA or is that only a NIPSIC thing? 
that that's an ipsic thing there, there is a well it's like ipsic you don't have to submit your stage until you reach a certain like uh size match oh okay. so like your local level stuff you don't need to submit anything okay yeah it's only when you get to the bigger matches that they want to start checking your work pretty much right because you're gonna like some guys are gonna do the circuit and submit their scores and everything has to be on the level right or it's not gonna count yeah exactly so that's where it's more of a bigger deal for that um yep so i'll run through pretty much how my matches go uh, i do set up on friday so the general volunteers will come set up and if they're also competitors then they'll shoot on the friday too and that way they don't even have to come back on saturday if they don't want to um the so's will all come out that day too and they will shoot as well um that makes it so that they are free to just be safety officers on match day um, I've always liked that because I don't like shooting and be a safety officer at the same time because being a safety officer is an important like responsibility and I'm there to have fun and I'm there to do my best to be competitive. And I kind of can't be taking both those things seriously at the same time. So that's why I like doing the, the SO shoot the day before. Um, it also start. works for us because we only run, we've only been running one start time. So we just run one big start time all at once. So it's not like you could shoot in the morning and then SO in the afternoon. It's pretty much gotcha. you're, you're doing what you're doing for the day. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much the Friday. So everything's set up. We leave it overnight. Bag targets if you have to. That just means putting a garbage bag over top of the target if it's going to rain. Um, so on the match day, um, I do my safety brief when everyone's there. So... You know, you, you make sure that everyone knows what to do if there's an incident, remind shooters, you know, the four safety rules and anything else that you may find hazardous from like the day before when you guys shot the match. Like, hey, there's some mud. So, you know, everyone you know, remember to watch your step when you're making your stage I was, plan. I was just going to ask that, but I kind of missed my opportunity. Like, how often do you do you shoot it on Friday? And you're like, oh, man, that's I don't really like that. Or that's a bad angle. Or like, how often do you like totally change your plan after shooting it once? Well, I only ever shoot in stages once. Well, I know, but like when you're going through it, like you realize like this, this design was bad. Oh, this After stage doesn't work very well. Yeah. It, it happened from time to time. Usually you're, you're never, you're not normally scrapping like an entire stage. Usually sure. it's either like a target or a section where you're like, oh yeah, I want this to be like a really hard swing left to right. But, you know, I can't do a hard swing because if you do anything more than, you know, a gentle swing, then you're going to be breaking 180. So yeah. You know what I mean? So like you just don't have the so reach kind of thing to have, to have that Friday run through like with you guys just to make sure everything's good. Right. Yeah. Like that, that, that's what we're doing. We're going through, we're, we <laughs> set up the stages. So like we usually rough them in, we set them up. Someone who's experienced at shooting will walk through them because like some of the volunteers or the inexperienced people just don't understand. So they're going to know a lot more of like, Hey, what are the tips and tr like the tricks of like, Hey, if you leave this target exposed, I can shoot around the other side of the wall and hit it. You know, just right. little stuff like that. So you're always doing a little bit of tweaking as you're building it. It's never perfect the way it is on paper. And like nothing ever translates properly either, right? Maybe your range is one meter shorter than you thought it was. Right? right. Or maybe your target stands are a little bit wider and they can't be right tight together the way you had them in your drawing. Like just stuff changes, but that's just stuff that you just kind of roll with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so after I've given the safety brief, um, at this point, the two squads will split up into their bays, and the SOs pretty much run the squads through their three stages on their bay. Um, when both squads are done in their bays, they switch and they shoot the other half of the match. Um, I keep my I 
keep my SOs on the bay. They don't. So sometimes an SO will follow your squad along with you. Sometimes the SO stays with the stage. I keep the, st the SOs with the stages because that way they'll get a, a very consistent stage brief. So everyone gets the same stage briefing. Everyone will be called the same way. So if there's any sort of like judgment call or something like that, you have yeah, the same no, people no doing it. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe someone asked on the first walkthrough, like, hey, can I do this? And you say no. Now, if now they know that they can tell the next squad, hey, you can't do this because we told the other squad they can't. And it's not fair right. that you can and they can't. Right. Sure. Yeah. Or if yeah. you switch squad, if you're. SO follows the squad, then you, you lose that ability and the next squad says, ah, whatever, we'll just shoot it however it says. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, yeah. that, that, that doesn't make for a great match. Do you, uh, do you have like uh, radio communication between the ROs? Like say someone was doing something unsafe and you want to make sure someone keeps an eye on them. Do you have like a radio between the other guys on the next stage to make sure like, Hey, watch out for shooter five or something. No, we don't have radios per se. But I mean, here's the thing. In every squad, you're going to, like, once again, you've been shooting for a while. You've made friends. You know who to, and when I say good shooters, I'm not talking about good at shooting. I'm just talking about good, like, mentally in their head. You know what I mean? They're safe shooters. They're good people. You can trust them, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. You'll know that guy, and you can go up to him and be like, hey, man, uh, when you go over to the other side, just let the SO to know to watch Bob over there because he's, you know, he's, <laughs> you know, he, he's jumping the, the, jumping the beeper or something like that. You know what I mean? That's sure. how, that's just how we do it because also if you're doing it over the radio who knows who's hearing it on the other end <laughs> right? right and we're all friends and if you're going to trash like you're essentially <laughs> trying to trash talk someone behind their back by screaming it to everyone else so yeah, yeah. no um yeah so that's never that's never that that has never been an issue you, usually you have that i mean when you start talking about like larger matches when you don't know people and stuff like that that's where you start having like cro's with their chief chief range officers and it's a third so essentially on the stage and they can kind of wander around they're not they don't have to stay there so they could go over to the other side and say hey just so you know when bob gets up watch him because he likes to sweep himself you know what i mean right so, so how do you as a as a you know an organizer ever ejected someone from the range uh not like not forcibly if that's what you mean well no like have you have you seen someone being unsafe and you're like okay you're done for today go home Oh, I've DQ'd people, yes. Yeah. If that's what you mean. Yeah, I was um, going to say, how often have you do, is DQ'd, is DQing a common occurrence? I hope not. Um, but, you know. Well, uh, with good shooters and good stage design, rarely. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, well, like, because like these Ragnarok shoots, like nothing against them or not or anything, but I mean, the majority, it seems like probably half of the shooters are like me and they're like very green, right? Yeah. So. And, I just yeah. wonder how often that happens, right? Yeah, and like stuff happens, right? There's always a case where stuff happens, right? Uh, my buddy that runs the other club, he's a great shooter. He's a he's a really safe guy. I trust him, right? If I, if I needed an SO, I would get him in a heartbeat. Um, we drove all the way down to Pennsylvania, second stage, broke 180. He DQ'd himself before the SO <laughs> even did. He pretty much started unloading his gun. The SO was like, what are you doing? He's like, I broke 180 back there. You know what I mean? Like, it's one that's of those hilarious. things where, like, you know it's yeah. going to happen. You just hope that it's something that's not going to, like, hurt anyone. Like, you're not launching rounds wildly, right? Sure. You're hoping it's sure. something like that. And you just, like, you know, be a be a gentleman about it, right? Like, I, I know yeah. that you always see... Well, it, that's a very... It, 
it's like everything, right? Point, there, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's always a Karen out there who wants to scream and yell at someone <laughs> about something that, no, I didn't do this, blah, blah, blah. But like, sure. you know what I mean? Like, and I understand being upset, but like most people know that they've been DQ'd before they've been DQ'd. Yeah. You know and what I mean? That's a very good point is like, as a, as a shooter, you know, understand it. Like these guys have a job to do to keep everybody safe. Don't yeah. take it personally. You screwed up. It happens. Like, yeah. don't get a fight. Don't be a range lawyer. Just yeah. get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm trying to remember I've DQ'd, like I DQ'd a guy who fell with his gun and oh, he dropped geez. and he dropped his gun when he fell. Now he even told me when he got up, he's like, Hey, he's like, just so you know, I dropped my gun on purpose because I didn't want to fall with it. Sure. Right? It's like, okay. I dropped it and he's like, you know, like I made sure it was muzzled down range and stuff like that. And I'm like, Hey man, like, that's fine. I'm like, you know, you're still DQ'd. And he's like, yeah, I know. I just wanted you to know that like, I didn't do it like wildly. It wasn't an uncontrolled toss across the range. It was a controlled, like okay, this so... is safer on the ground than it is in my hand as I'm falling. So is that a stage DQ or is that a day DQ? Like, are you that, going home? There, there's pretty much no stage DQ. Okay. So there's if you're really, DQ'd, you're done. Yeah. You're done for the day. Okay. Yeah. Um, now here's the thing. If you get DQ'd, you're at, you're not like kicked off the property, right? It's not like sure, that. You're just, you're just done shooting. You're just done shooting. So, I mean, I would say like, we always say the gentlemanly thing to do is to stay. You can keep patching, you know, help with tear down. You know what I mean? Help out with the match. If you get TQ'd on stage one before the beeper even goes off because you pulled out your gun before your the, the guy said load and make ready, then it's like, all right, you got permission to just go home, right? Like, right, right. you don't need to stay here for five hours just because you screwed up on in the first 30 seconds. But, sure. But like, yeah, most people will hang around or whatever. They might help out for a little bit. But yeah, I've never really had anyone fight back on anything. Um, well, because I was giving my next question, like, have you had anybody resist and not leave? <laughs> no, I've never I've never had anything confrontational. Because really, I mean, that's probably the end of you being invited to anything again, if you do. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you are if you are confrontational in any way, if you start swearing at my S.O.'s, I don't care if I'm hearing it second or third hand. You're never invited to my club again. Right. Yeah. I won't let you come back. And I have essentially permanently banned a few people, not for being rude, but for in, like atrociously unsafe gun handling. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I told them, I told them like, Hey, um, like pretty much as politely as I said, as I could, Hey, you're not welcome to come to these matches until you've gotten further training. So, so you will have them back if they provide proof of training. And yeah. like, was this just, was this like a warning or is this like one infraction and you're done? No, this, this was someone who made us nervous all day long <laughs> and like okay. clear, like clearly, ha clearly there were issues that he was not ready to shoot a match. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so like as, as unprepared as you probably thought you were, Josh, you were probably prepared to shoot your first match. This person was like, Hey, like handguns are fun. I should shoot an action gun, an action match and like show yeah. up. That's the kind of skill level that they brought. Or they did a holster course when they were 18, 30 years ago before they had children. And you know what I mean? Their license has lapsed three times since. And you know what I mean? And they've sold all their guns, bought them, sold them again and bought them again. Like this person just doesn't stick in it. You know what I mean? And those are, those, that's usually where you find your dangerous people are the people who got training 20, 30 years ago and didn't keep up with shooting. 
right didn't keep because if you're not active in it it's like a lot of things right like your skill and all of this it will deteriorate if you don't practice and it goes same thing goes with the safety if you're not practicing the safety aka like drawing your gun from a holster every once in a while you're going to start losing that ability to do it safely and you're going to forget things and you're going to make a mistake for sure yeah, yeah. Even, even just like we noticed that like i Last Thursday when we had a pistol night, there was a guy out who has taken our club level safety course that he passed and everything was good, but he hasn't been shooting. Like he has no, you know, like he did his probationary, but that's it. But like I was catching him on all these little things and I was like, I felt bad. Like I didn't want to center him out, but you know, like you, you, if you don't do it, you don't get in the muscle memory and you don't, you don't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a hazard, right? You're, you're going to create a problem yeah. and like, think even even if you're not liable even if a judge and the mother of this person comes up to you afterwards and says like it is not your fault if something happened on your range you're gonna feel like yeah hope for sure of that right you're and, and you're gonna you, carry you, organized, it. you took responsibility you organized it you brought everybody here yeah and, and yeah so that's why like you want to have a safe match right so you it sucks, but sometimes you have to, you know, a little bit of tough love. And like, I've, I've only ever had that happen with two people and yeah, that, that's about it. So what about like, uh, like gear, like, or reloads? Like, do you have people with like, okay, every third shot he's having a misfire or things are going wrong. Like maybe he downloaded and he's having squibs. Um, so that's different. You can, I, I'm trying to remember the wording in IDPA. You can, so an SO can declare a gun or ammunition unsafe, which essentially means that either something is wrong with either the ammo or the gun. And you and you're, you be specific when you say, hey, this is a gun problem or an ammo problem. And you say, hey, I'm declaring this gun is not safe. You can keep shooting this match, but you need to get a new gun. That's essentially okay. what you're saying to them, right? Okay. And I mean, that technically what happened if your gun exploded in your hand, technically you could keep shooting the match if you want to, and you have a backup. <laughs> Most people usually are like, you know what? I think I'm good to go home now, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I have, I have never had to do it, but I have been at matches where someone, where the SO said like, Hey, look, this is your fourth squib already. Or like your, or actually not even your fourth, like your second squib, your ammo isn't safe. So you either need to find new ammo or you're done for the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not really a DQ. That's just a, you know, a do, did not finish. That's what you call it. Did not finish. Right. Which is the same thing if the guy decides on the last date, you know what? I don't feel like shooting this. I'm going to go home early. Like, yeah. But yeah. Well, so after the match, compare, this is how I do it. After the match, the competitors and the volunteers will help put everything away. Uh, from the match and help doing general cleanup. Uh, some clubs require you to pick up the brass, um, like my club does. Uh, it, like I said, it depends on your club. And it also depends on your volunteers too, because I've been to quite a few IPSC matches where what they do is, it's, they say it's a lost brass match, which means that as soon as you shoot, your your the brass as soon as the brass hits the ground, it's gone. It's not yours anymore. And essentially what they'll do is they'll collect it all and they'll give it to all the uh, all the other SOs, right? So that that way they have brass to go reload, and they don't have, or well, they still have to pick it up. But I mean, it's it's a whole yeah. pile of free brass. Kind of cool, so, yeah. Yeah, and it but depends do, on do your. You let, do you let people police their own brass? Like, say you 
you know, you shoot thirty eights out of your revolver and you want to keep all that brass, do you let people, well, I guess the revolver, you'd have it right there and you can dump it in a bucket. But Yes, uh, <laughs> yes and no. Do you give people time to get their brass back if they want it? I do not give you actual time to get your brass back. Okay. So here's the thing. If you want to pick up your brass in between shooting, go ahead. But, like, I'm kicking you off the range when the next guy's ready to shoot because I'm not waiting yeah, for you to go yeah. find your brass. So there's that. Well, and that's kind of, of but that's kind of how the match went yesterday. It's like everybody's supposed to pass. Everybody's supposed to help push back, right? So you go and you grab with the head. And you're going to stay, like, yeah. But but here's the thing, though, right? Most people don't bother grabbing their brass because they're not going to get enough pieces on their first run, and then after that, you're expected to be patching, right? If you're not shooting or on deck or just shot, you're expected to be patching, resetting targets. So you're not down there picking up brass. You don't have time for that. Sure, um, sure. So we essentially just leave all the brass on the ground. Now, if you're a revolver shooter and you dumped all your 38, especially as a former revolver shooter, I know it. If you want to kind of slowly walk up and down and grab your brass, I'll give you an extra 30 seconds, right? But sure. if you're just shooting nine millimeter, no, there's there's a bucket over there on the of it on the other range. Well, yeah. Go grab a if handful, you, like. And you probably dumped it in one spot. Well, right. it depends, right? <laughs> if they're standing still and shooting or if yeah. they're moving and shooting. But it also, if you're up against the like the right-hand berm, your brass will be launched yeah. up into the berm, right? No, but and, I'm saying with a revolver, right? Like you're oh, dropping yeah. Spot at least, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the revolver, it's usually pretty easy to find at least like 70 to 80% of your brass back like without for like sure. really trying to look for it. Yeah. When it comes to moon clips, it's a lot easier. And I-Core, and we're not talking I-Core. I-Core is its own funny little game, and it's awesome in its own way. Because um, <laughs> they, there, everyone picks up your brass. You please, like, everyone helps you pick up your brass. Um, but anyway, so, uh, where would I? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, you can just give it to the SO if they want it, right? Because if you said to me, hey, Mike, as your thanks, as the thanks for helping volunteer, you get to pick up the brass and take it home, I would be like, no. My thanks for volunteering, and I'm going home now. Like, I don't yeah. want, I don't need more nine millimeter brass, right? I have tons of it already. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, you figure out your own situation, and you know, you do the best you can to pick up the brass. You get as much as you can. Um. Because yeah, but then yeah, so then after once everything's been put away, and I make a point, it has to be when everything is put away, because I don't want to do this beforehand, and it's. I will sync up the tablets that have all the scores on them and, you know, find out essentially who won, right? And where everyone plays, which is what everyone wants to know. If you do that before people start tearing down, you'll find a lot of people will spend half the teardown time sitting there looking at their score, and some of them will just look at their score and go home. Right. Right? Um, whereas if you wait till after, then the people who care will stick around and see. The people who don't will just wait until it comes out, Right. Um, I'm sorry to sorry to back up on this, but you say like we talked about tablets already. But can you do it on your iPhone or your Android? Like, or is it just too small? you can you can do it yeah. you can do it on any touchscreen like any modern touchscreen phone, whatever. As long as you can but download it, the Practice Score app, you can do it on there. But is it, it okay? Like, is it really small and crappy, or is it? Um, like, no, I I use it on my phone all the time when I'm practicing, like when I'm training, because it's easier to put my phone in my pocket than a tablet so sure. it works just fine it's just it's your cell phone right like i don't want here's the thing not the same person's always going to be scorekeeping so i don't right. want to necessarily give my phone to five other people and have them see all the text messages and all the messages from new shooter canada <laughs> and they're sent they're saying why is this nsc group keep sending you like no <laughs> you know i don't need that going on in my life so i have a separate tablet that you know has nothing essentially nothing on it 
well, I guess my thought there was like everybody you have as an RSO probably has a smartphone. Can they just get their own app and do their own thing? Yeah, it's it's free. But then you have to then you have to sync it up at the end. Yeah, so you so have to sync it up. Have, yeah. So I was just everything on official. I'm just trying to think tablets. of the lowest possible barrier of entry, right? Like, yeah. can everybody well, just bring their own phone and do their own thing? No, no, you would use one tablet for the whole thing. Okay. And if you're only running one squad, then you only really need one tablet or one phone, whatever you're doing, right? You could go find your your last cell phone you had, wipe it clean if you want privacy purposes, wipe it clean, and then you know boot it back up and put practice score on it, and there you go. You know, right. the, the old people might kind of whine about how small the screen is, but, like, mm-hmm. you can make it work. We used to do it with practice score on, oh, what were those things called? E-readers? Yeah. And they were, like, black and white, and they had, like, a <laughs> three-second delay for you hitting the button. So you'd hit the button, and you could just sit there and watch, and, like, count to three, and then all of a sudden the, the button would turn black, and then then it would move to the next screen. Like, it That's was funny. so bad. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I think it all up. Um, the people who don't care, they don't care, whatever. I go home, and then you can use once again use the tablet, and there's a way where you can post the score, and it will automatically post it up to practicescore.com. Then I just get out my phone or whatever else. I'll go on there, find the scores, I'll copy the link, and then you can on practice score. There's a spot where you can you know email all the competitors. So I hit email all the competitors. You know, hey, thanks for everyone for coming out. Thanks for all the volunteers whatever you know comments you want to make hey our next match is here or whenever um here's a link to the scores and you just drop that link in there and then that way everyone who shot can just click on that link bam they got the scores and they can sit there for hours and hours looking at them <laughs> which i did this morning <laughs> yeah yeah because everyone likes to do that right um yeah like the last day then i sorted as per class and division and <laughs> yeah <looked at> every... <laughs> Did I win the ladies' division? Ah, oh, damn it! I'm not a lady. <laughs> yeah, identify today. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much it. Uh, some clubs, uh, like we kind of do a little uh, after-action report at the next club meeting usually, and usually you're just like, hey, you know, you know, we had one DQ. It wasn't a safety concern. It was a, you know, a, a match concern or something like that. You know, something silly happened. It's, you know, there's nothing, there's no risk to the club, you know, or, hey, you know, a realm may have gone over the berm. We're not sure. Or, hey, you know, we're shooting the match and this piece of steel broke in the process. We need to replace it, whatever. And of course, the most important thing that they want to know is how much money did you bring the club? So, okay. Well, that brings up a point. What about match fees? Like, how do you determine what's a fair match fee? It, you know what? It is so arbitrary, in my opinion. Um, around here, you can't get an Ipsic match under $40. And some clubs have even started making their local level matches $60, which to me is insane. Um, so so are you allowed to make money? Like, are you allowed to, allowed to profit from this? If it's like, say it's an official IDPA or an official Ipsic, like, are, are you as a club allowed to profit? As a club, or yes. Or you, are you as a, how about as an organiza- organizer? As like as an individual, like hey, Mike Hits yeah. and the match director. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything in the games that say you can't profit, but most people consider it to be a volunteer. Thing. Sure. So yeah, again, like, the- yourself out of matches, right? Like if your if your matches are twenty five percent higher than everybody else's, they're not going to come to your club. Yeah, exactly. Now, I I think in the states it's a little bit different. They will charge a little bit more, and they might make a little bit more money off it. But you have to remember, right, 
the money that the club makes is going to go back into buying more props, buying the targets, uh, you know what I mean? Making, building more base so we can have bigger matches. You know what I mean? So like, it's, it's not like that money is going to some, you know, Monty or Montgomery Burns hiding up in the (laughs) nuclear plant, you know? Excellent. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like it's going to him. It's going back to the club. Well, I mean, I guess if Monty Burns owns the gun club, then he is going to him. But outside <laughs> of that, you know, usually it's going back into the club in one way or another. So, so IDPA doesn't care. They like they don't want any clawbacks. They don't want any royalties or anything. They just they, like you charge what you feel fair. You take what the club wants to take, and that's it. That's that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. Because at least IDPA they make their money from the affiliation. Because they're making money off that, and they're making money off the club affiliated affiliated members, and they they care about the matches, and they care about the individual members, right? Because in IDPA, I believe they changed it; it's now three matches. You're allowed to shoot three IDPA matches before you're obligated to sign up. Now they don't actually keep track of it. So I mean, if you came to my matches three times or four times, I I haven't kept track of it, right? I, Mm -hmm. but. I should be keeping track of it and I should be saying, Hey, you know, you've shot three times already. You have to sign up for IDPA before you're allowed to shoot any more of my local level matches. Okay. But outside of that, they, you know what I mean? Like if you're running, if you're running, you know, Josh's super duper pistol match, well then who are you paying royalties (laughs) to? No one, right? Like there's no one to care about whether they're affiliated or not. Really at that point, they're going to keep affiliation like I do just so that it, it's, it's a form of qualification, right? My IPSC... So what, my IPSC, so what do you pay for your typical IDPA match then? Like, what do you charge? We Say charge, you were to run with club tomorrow, what would you charge? $20. 20 bucks, okay. The, $20. It was how much... It was That's how much the guy was charging when I took over... My gosh, I don't know how many years ago. It was $20, and it's always been $20. I do $20 for the i matches too. Um, and you know what the and, club, the club that goes back to the club. Yeah. It all goes to the club. Right. Yeah. And the club doesn't care because right. They're making money and it's also well, something how for, much it like, I know you said, Oh, there's a lot of people outside of the club coming. Yeah. But there's also a lot of people inside the club who want to sure. do this. Right. And Did it's no fun for club members. Pardon me. Do you ever offer like a discount for club members? Like say no. non-members are 25 and club members are 20 or do you, do, not, do you bother? With not, not on like a club level. No, we've okay. never, we've never been particular about what club you're from. We never charge extra. I mean, I think I've heard of some places might charge an extra $5 to cover the guest uh, insurance. But yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's all just kind of pulled into one, right? Maybe everyone pays one extra dollar and it covered all the guest insurance. But you want to shoot against your buddy who's a member at a different club, right? Or shoot against that amazing shooter that's over at the other club. So sure. You want other people to come because it also gives more money back to the club as well. How so, much do you think you spend in a year on props and stuff? Like how much do you think it costs the club a year to, to oh. put on the show? Uh, the club is definitely profiting off of a simple $20 a match. I'm yeah. sure of it. Um, because targets are somewhere in the ballpark of a buck to buck 50 a target um you know and a lot of the other stuff like it if it's taken care of and as long as it's not like destroyed it will last you for years and years so like right and like in a case like yours you guys only have one bay you don't need a thousand and one prop you guys can just come up with a couple of simple like hey here's two or three different walls some have ports some don't and like even if it's not official where it's like 
like in IDPA, if I can see it, I can shoot it. That's the that's essentially the rule. And, right? and really, nobody better be shooting the walls. So those yeah. are gonna laugh. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the rule in IDPA is supposed to be I can see it, I can shoot it. Well, if you want people to shoot stuff from certain spots, you know, you're running Josh's super fantastic handgun match. You just put a cone <laughs> down on the ground that you got from the dollar store for a dollar fifty and say, hey, you got to shoot these targets from this cone. You know, and it's just as simple as that. If that's right. how simple you can make it. Right. 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 Um, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly how much money I, I was keeping track of it for a little while. And then I just kind of like, I was like, ah, whatever. I'm tired. Like it was one of those things where nobody cared but me. So I just stopped keeping track of it. <laughs> sure. But like, I'm sure the club is making money off of it, you know, and I'm sure you could run it super efficiently and not buy expensive things like steel. Cause steel is not cheap to buy like poppers. Well, right? that opens, opens up so many more things with like shrouding and everything else. Like cardboard's so easy. Just buy yeah. the cardboard targets and don't yeah. worry about it. When you're starting. Yeah. Just do cardboard. Just do paper targets. And then all you need to buy is patches, really paper, cardboards and staples and patches. Right. So do you, do you supply patch guns? Um, so like the club has patch guns. They had them before I started. If, a lot of clubs don't have patch guns and they would not provide them because patch guns are not cheap. They are right. Yeah. We so not a lot of, not a, like some clubs will have like one or two patch guns, but they are usually safely guarded. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Sometimes not. So since COVID kicked off, we started running matches a little differently and we ended up with too many volunteers. So we just kind of kept rolling with this sometimes is we'll have some volunteer like club members who need their volunteer hours. They'll just patch. That's all they'll do. So of course they're going to get the patch gun because they're going to spend their entire day. All they're doing is patching. Oh, that's right? a good point. I didn't even think about that. Volunteers but, on the map would qualify for volunteer hours for the club. That's yeah. Perfect. That that's that's why most people volunteer at matches because they need the yeah, volunteer I didn't even hours. Think about that. And <laughs> like I don't know how many hours you guys need. I think we need four. So you could pretty much we're, show up to one we're match. Doing 10. <laughs> yeah. But for us, you could pretty much show up to one match and you have all your volunteer hours. Nice. Right? Nice. What a nice neat little package to do it and you do it in like one day on a weekend and you're done. Yeah. And, and, and you get to shoot. Well, well, no, you don't get it if you Well, the shooting. Friday. The Friday. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's there's some gray area in that because then you could argue, well, Mike, how can you say that running the matches is volunteer hours when you technically shoot it? Well, I shoot sure. my matches for a minute and 15 seconds versus the <laughs> like 24 hours of effort that goes into putting on that match. Not All to mention, you know, <laughs> not to mention the time, you know, time away from home and the wife and the kids and all that other yeah. stuff. So yeah um but yeah it's uh it's not too bad um i like you said with gavin he said like oh you could set up if you can't set up more than one stage at a time like i think that it's better to have more than one stage because then you can kind of keep things moving but yeah i have we just run, don't have the ability yeah. yeah and i have done something similar to that where you're kind of like where you almost like design a stage like make it shoot it then change it then shoot it and it's just one squad and that's it right when you're done when you guys have shot yeah. five stages and you guys say you all say you're done then you just put everything away and go home that that's works. what this yeah the, the reason why we need to keep all our stuff up is because we had the two squads going at the same time and then they switch we can't be tearing stuff down and then rebuilding it and then being like well i think that's where that target was before you know what i mean or maybe the mm -hmm. wall wasn't quite placed the same way and now all of a sudden it's a different it's a different stage and it's not a fair <laughs> match anymore 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it, I think, for running matches. Um, Do you have like a like a sweet spot for number of squad uh, people on the squad? Uh, usually, that number is somewhere around twelve. Twelve. Okay. Twelve. That seemed to be a nice number. Where could you always have three people who aren't going to be shooting, right? The guy who's shooting, the guy who just shot, and the guy who's about to shoot. So uh-huh. if you have 12 people, you're down to nine already. Realistically, okay. you probably have at least one or two more people who are reloading. So now you're right. down to closer to like six people. Uh, mm-hmm. An average stage in IDPA, the, the, most, the most targets you usually have in an IDPA stage is like nine, right? Mm-hmm. So that almost leaves it one target per person, a little bit more than one target per person which is a nice number because if you start adding in steel or a swinger, like things that need to be reset, you have the extra people. I find when you start going over the number of 15, that's when you start getting too many people. And I truly do believe that there is such a thing as having too many people because two things. One, the shooters will get bored because it's taking so long between their chances to shoot. Right. And two, you start getting this effect of, well, I went last time. Bob can do, Bob can go patch this time. And Bob thinks, <laughs> well, I have a bad knee, so I shouldn't have to patch it often, so Josh will patch. And Josh is standing there going, I just shot. I'm in the middle of reloading my mags. I can't, you know what I mean? And you end up in this yeah. situation where there's only one or two people patching, and it's like, well, you know. And I, you know, I don't expect, to be honest, like, I don't expect everyone to be patching every single time. Right. You're there to be social. You're chatting with your buddy and stuff like that. The goal is to not get sucked into a conversation and not do any patching at all. And I'll admit I've done that, right. Where I'm talking to someone, we're talking about something, you're getting into a conversation and you don't realize that, Hey, this is like a, a super fast mat or stage. And you're like the only one who hadn't patched and like everyone's gone and shot it. And you're the jerk. You know what I mean? And like, and I don't expect the guy with the bad knee to get down on the ground and like reset the steel every time. Right. Like it's, you know, you don't have to do a lot. You just have to do something. That's pretty much my policy. Right. Yeah. And that that made me think something too. You said the guy with the bad knee. Now say you had a stage with a, you know, you had to go prone. Like, like I just had yesterday. Yep. Do you ever give accommodations to anybody with special, uh, you know, so all, all all the games usually have something in there for that, that to help to, uh, it's meant to be very inclusive for people with disabilities. So if you have a physical disability, like you can't get down and get back up again, or you have one leg, like, you know what I mean? Something like that. The obvious ones are easy. Cause it's like the guy with one leg that says, Hey, I can't get up. If I go down, it's like, all right, it's obvious. You know, and they get allowed to shoot around the side of the wall. And I can't remember. You'd have to go through the rule book. Sometimes they get like a, a minor penalty just to try and like, you know, they did get an advantage. Um, if someone says, and I've heard people say this as a joke, but I wouldn't be surprised that there is someone out there who's done this for real, who goes, oh, I can't shoot you know, whatever we can kneeling prone, whatever, because I have a bad knee, hip, something like that. And it's like, dude, I saw you doing jumping jacks in the parking lot to warm up. Like, no, I've never actually had to like tell someone no, but if someone was like that and they were so like, Nope, I don't care. I'm not going down prone. It's like, okay, fine. You're just going to get scored as you shoot it. Right. So if you step out of the box and shoot it, Depending on your game, sometimes that those shots won't count. Sometimes you just get a penalty. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And it just gets scored as it is. If you just decide, well, I'm not getting down, so I'm just going to leave those targets empty. It's like, all right, fine. But they're all going to be scored as misses. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. I will also, oh, I should have mentioned this too. I will also tell people at the beginning of the match that unless they stay till the end of cleaning up the match, that I, I will delete their scores. Oh. <laughs> because I have had, and this came all from one match where I can't remember what happened, but it was just a perfect storm of like, you know what I mean? I turned my back for two minutes to like take a break from like SOing, and I just told everyone to tear everything down. And I turn around and there's like two people and the parking lot's like empty. Right. And I was just like, what the heck just happened right <laughs> i like you know what ass. i mean like you'll delete their scores like, that's that's a hard ass <laughs> why not but i guess right? if you if you warn them if you warn them beforehand though I if i so. warn them and so this happened and then the next match so the next match i made a point to tell everyone hey just so you know like i was nice because i never told anyone this before right they didn't know that i would so i didn't delete anyone's score that match right it, it wouldn't sure. have, like you said it wouldn't have been fair for me to do to punish them for something they didn't know they were supposed to do right yeah so the next yeah. match i made a point to do it and i even remember um the last i was scoring the last person on the last stage and I happened to look up and there's a spot where I could see in between the, the, the shooting building and like the, like not the club, but whatever the structure there and the parking lot. And I could see the guy getting in his car and I looked him dead in the <laughs> eye and I yelled and I said, if you leave, I'm deleting your score. And he That's got hilarious. back out of the car and guess what? He stayed right to the end to help her down. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, if, sir. I'm coming. I'm coming. Yeah. If you come up to me and you're like, Hey Mike, um, you know, I thought this match was going to be over by one. You know, it's my kid's birthday today. I got to get home. Like, okay, I can make accommodations, right? You got a bad knee. I can't pick up that 300-pound steel, you know? Okay, fine. Yeah. Go pull targets off. There is plenty of work, like, just, you know, little work that can be done by anybody. So don't give me the yeah. excuse that you can't do it. Now, if you tell me that it's your kid's birthday, three week, three matches in a row, I'm going to start suspecting <laughs> that you're, you know, just a POS and, you know, there may yeah. be further investigation into this. But so this is the... telling me one thing. It's it's always register for the first shoot of the morning and then you're you're good. You don't have to help clean up. <laughs> that, that's one of the reasons why I love shooting first thing in the morning. And, yeah. it, and, and it's not to be a jerk about it. It's just I also hate it because. I will stay right to the end to the last pieces put away at the other clubs because I know how much of a pain in the butt it is when people take off on you. Yeah, so for sure. It, so it starts to bother me when I see my other fellow competitors leaving when I'm still there helping tear down. So I think well, I, I, have... and I actually, I actually really like that. Like yesterday when I stayed to the end and everybody came and we talked about how the match went and that was really cool to be a yeah. part of that. I thought that and, was awesome. And that's just it, right? For some time, that's when some guys just like to stand around the parking lot and chat because, you know, <clears> maybe you couldn't get into the squad with your buddies. So you didn't get to shoot with them all day, but you still want to catch up with them. Yeah. Right? You yeah. want to, you know, whatever, right? It's like some guys like going out for food after and stuff like that. So, you know, you can do all that kind of fun kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, most people will stick around. It's usually, yeah, it's good. Most people are good. <laughs> I, yeah, I've only ever had to leave a match early or not even leave the match, but like not help with teardown and i remember because we were halfway through the teardown and i even went up to the guy and i said like hey look i put away as much stuff as i could in the last like 20 minutes because i know i have to leave right now i'm sorry but i have to leave and the guy's just like yeah whatever like 
sure. Well, everybody's got busy lives, yeah. right? It's like, you know, we've all got kids and we've all got stuff to do and our wives yeah. are waiting. Well, luckily I brought Amanda with me, so that yeah. didn't matter. But <laughs> I know, but I mean, like there's, there's, there's real obligations, right? There's like some, like there's like there's times when it gets suspect, right? If you show up and I've yeah. had this, right? Where I've had, <laughs> I've had guys show up and like first thing in the morning when they're doing like a registration, they're like, hey man, just so you know, like I got to be out of here at like one. Like I cannot be here later. Yeah. And he's like, if I'm not done shooting, like, that's fine. I'm just leaving. If I'm done shooting, I'm going. And it's like, all right, like you told me at the beginning of this, I believe you. Right. right but it seems right. really suspect. And I've seen this too, where you're like, the arrow is like saying, unload and show clear on your last date. And the guy's like, oh, by the way, um, my dog hasn't gotten let out all day. And it's like, do you work an eight hour day? Because I'm pretty sure your dog is in this house for eight hours a day. And you've only been here for three. So don't give me that, you know stuff and yeah, i've yeah. I, I haven't actually had to deal with it but i've seen it happen so right right don't be that person right if you have something be honest right but don't no i think you're i think you're so far ahead you know being that guy who is a keener who wants to help and you know, know. get to know the get to know everybody there and, and you get so far ahead yeah 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 and that's just it right you're gonna learn who the good guys are and who's not right yeah and, yeah. and you know what, and it does affect things, right? Because I can tell you that if I had now the way our registration is, it's not like I get to pick who gets into my matches and who doesn't, right? It's not like, it's, it's not like mm -hmm. that. It's essentially, it's the first, first to the sign up, right? But here's the thing. If you're a jerk and I'm not really a big <laughs> fan of you, like just say the last time you've given me the same, like, oh, my dog, my dog needs water. And I go on Facebook when I get home and I see that you're, you know, at the cottage with your wife on the boat. And it's like, well, where's right. the dog? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to, you know, and the next match, the match is sold out. And you're like, hey, Mike, can you make an accommodation? Can you squeeze me in? It's going to be like, sorry, uh, dude, no. match is full. <laughs> but you know what? I got I got a, a, a long list of people that are no, that are like good dudes that if they message yeah. me after a match was full and like, hey, man, like, hey, I missed it. Can I still get in? Like, sure, man we'll figure something out. We'll squeeze you. Sure. Right. Yeah. So there are, there are perks to being, you know, not a jerk. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. As is life. Yep. <laughs> um, Benny, did you have any questions or any, anything you wanted to bring up? Um, no, not really. I think everything was really covered. I was going to say, if you're, you know, really accommodating and, and like help out and, show up to, to matches and help out that you're not even going to shoot. You know, people might actually make matches on days that you can shoot. Like, you know, yeah. for me. Yeah. And you know what? It's also <laughs> yeah, that just, Benny guy. <laughs> it, it's a nice thing to do. Uh, like, what, one of the last i matches I shot down in Kingston. I shot the match. The very first stage, my gun was screwed up. I knew it was screwed up. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get, I'm just going to be mad if I keep trying to shoot this gun. I'm just, I'm pulling myself out of the match. But I stayed around. I helped tear down. I like I helped tear down. I helped patch. I helped do everything. I was stuck there. I could have just gone and sat underneath a tree and read on my played on my phone for the next three hours. But like, yeah, you know, if you're a good person, people will recognize it, and you'll people will want to be around you too, right? Because it also becomes the kind of thing where when people are organizing a trip, like uh, I've been to Florida, I've been to Pennsylvania a bunch of times in New York. And like, you start learning these people, like the local guys who travel. And if they like you, you're a good person, then guess what? Now you have travel buddies, right? You have someone you can spend a night in a hotel with or carpool or someone to go out for dinner when you're in a strange town, you know, for it's, sure. it, it's good to make friends. And that's coming well, from I... someone who is very antisocial. <laughs> well, that's, 
that's me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, Andrew said that yesterday. He's like, as an adult man, it's very hard to make friends unless you like to drink and shoot, and then it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, well, I would you're, uh, you drink alone and uh, shoot in the woods. That's right. Yeah. Well, if you sign up for competitions, you'll make friends. Right. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of those crazy well, yeah, things. And, I, and I've started seeing the same people too. Like you said, you always see the same names and uh, probably the last three times I went, I've seen probably, you know, at least 25, 50% of the same people. Yep. And you'll get to know who, who's who you'll get to know who's what shooting skill and stuff like that. So you'll be able to also kind of curtail your friendship with like, maybe the guys that shoot the same division with you. Could you want to like keep, t- keep tabs with them and like, Oh, who's going to win this match? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you'll yeah. learn that stuff by being in there and mixing amongst them. Right. So. Yeah. Heck I made friends on my first rifle shoot at this other club. You know, I yeah. shot someone else's target and uh, yeah, now we're, uh, <laughs> we're buddies. Yeah. I mean, you meet so many crazy, uh, a good friend of mine in Ottawa so we were going to, I got randomly invited to Florida with a group of guys that were going down for an IDPA match. Oh boy, this would have been back in 2017. Um, and so Sarah and I were going to drive because that's, that's our style. We like to drive. We don't like, we, we'd rather drive, especially when it comes to guns. Um, and we we're just like, Hey, like we have a crossover. Does anyone want to ride with us? Right. Like, does anyone else not want to fly down and want to go for a car ride? And we're like, we're going to do some sightseeing, a little bit of vacationing along the way. Like, who's up for a vacation? And one guy randomly said, like, hey, if you got space, I'll come with you. Yeah. No, I like we knew his name. That's about as far <laughs> as we got. Like, I knew that he shot IDPA. I knew I shot with him a couple of times, but like, I didn't like know him. Like, we didn't have like any well, sort of like friend basis. Yeah. So we ran. Randomly... He's got a clean criminal record. You know, he's oh. clean. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. that's a good start. But I mean, like, yeah. we went out for dinner one time under the false pretenses of like planning our trip, but really it was just like a hey, who the heck are you? And making sure we're not <laughs> inviting a psychopath, like someone that we can't yeah. stand for you know a week and a half long vacation because it would ruin our vacation too. Another no, one of those firearm, firearm blind date kind of things. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. But imagine it with a 24-hour car ride to start. Imagine taking a blind date with a 24-hour starting blind date with a 24-hour car ride. We found out that he's like 15 years older than us. We thought he was our age, right? We found out like all this amazing stuff. And you know what? He's a great friend now. Like he's actually a friend yeah. outside of shooting now. All because he randomly was like, hey, yeah, I'd like to go on a vacation with these two random strangers. Like... <laughs> see shooting is wonderful it is it, it brings us together the whole nother family <laughs> all right well uh if you have any feedback questions comments maybe i missed something about running a match maybe you have a question about something in particular or yeah send us a message on facebook uh, on the comment section on our Facebook page or at host at newshootercanada.ca or yeah, host at newshootercanada.ca. Uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook and leave a comment and rating on iTunes. Um, shout outs. Uh, Benny, do you have any shout outs? Uh, yeah, shout out to the Ragnarok guys, uh, Andrew in particular for putting on these matches. Um, you know, I understand you can't always doesn't always work out, but the fact is that he had me in mind and sent me a message saying, hey, we're doing these matches not on Saturday. Come out, and uh, I very much appreciate that, so huge shout-out to Andrew for doing that. Um, yeah. And for Josh for, for, for trying to start a new thing, so yeah. <laughs> no pressure, Josh. No pressure. Oh, I didn't know you are starting yeah, yeah. something, Josh. 
Well, I mean, and, and Benny stole Benny stole my shout out because it was pretty much the same thing. Thanks for the thanks for the match yesterday. That was awesome. And also, uh, Benny, I promise if I put on a match, it will be on a Sunday. <laughs> and you know what? That once again, one of the great things, right? I run matches yep. on Friday. Yep. If Benny was local to me and he was like, "Hey, Mike, um, we can shoot the Friday, but I got to be, you know, home by this time," I might like. If you said it was some time that I, I just couldn't make happen, like, sorry, Benny, I'm not going to make it happen. But I mean, if you said, hey, I, you know, I need to be home by or I need to be leaving the range by seven. It's like, all right, like if you come uh, if you come an hour early, you and I can set up the match and we'll make sure it's done in time. Right. Like you'll you'll make accommodations. And actually speaking yep. on that, right. I actually it's... remember I shoot IDPA with a guy. and He's a good guy. And he messaged me because we were running an I-Core match. And he's like, hey, I'm interested in an I-Corps thing, but I don't have a revolver. Guess what? He's a nice guy. He volunteers all the time. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give him one of my revolvers, right? <laughs> there are perks. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna cash that check one day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to come up and shoot with you. I need I, a gun. I, I need a gun. <laughs> I hope you come up and shoot with me someday soon. Yep. We're ta- we we want to do that. That's a yeah. goal. <laughs> All right, well, I don't have a shout-out, so I'll just roll this right into into taking us on out of here. So, time spent at the range is time spent with your family. Choose your caliber wisely. Guns are fun. (laughs) Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. I really like 22 men. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns.